Content warning. Tone Deaf is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the shows we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren, and I have conflicted feelings about today's episode. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, uh, it's about to get real in here, because we are doing ragtime. It's about to get real in here, because it's real out there. Yep. Um, this is going to be a little bit non-traditional of an episode, because... Good. A. Fuck tradition. <laughs> tradition. Tradition. <laughs> Fuck tradition. <laughs> um, anyway, before we begin, though, with this non-traditional episode, I do want to point out that today, as in the day that we're releasing this episode, is Juneteenth. Juneteenth? Which... What's that, Kay? So that is the day that... Union soldiers went to Galveston, Texas in 1865 and let the last group of slaves know that they were free. It had been two, mm-hmm. been two years after, and they were... Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it's not like a nationwide recognized thing. It should be. I did not know about it until I had met you. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that it's like... <laughs> America, the land of the free, home of the brave. Asterisk. Yes. Yeah. What? Why do we not, not? I think the biggest reason that quote that like we quote unquote don't recognize it is because then we have to acknowledge that the country, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So, but I I've been really uh, heartened seeing more and more people recognizing it mm-hmm. now because like I remember being a kid recognizing it. But, you know, they didn't do anything with it in Utah, like, state-recognized until 2016, so... 2016! (laughs) So, you know, I just... uh, I'm I'm excited, though, because there are a lot of online uh, things going on. KCR... Is it KCRL or KRCL? Uh, One of the local uh, radio stations is... It's the one that does... uh, out of the U of U, uh, is doing a thing all day tomorrow, or today, tomorrow when we're recording this, today when it's released. <laughs> They're doing a Juneteenth celebration. <laughs> you wanted to flip those, but yes. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So, um... But they're they're doing a Juneteenth celebration on the radio, and there's a bunch of streaming things going on. Um, there are some things downtown going on still that I'm kind of like. But your black ass ain't leaving the house. My black ass ain't leaving the house, but because <laughs> I, I I don't want the Rona. <laughs> but anyway, I also wanted to point out um, past due audio series. Uh, it's a black audio drama. Uh, they posted a thing that was saying, let's make this happen, and it is support black podcasting. So from Friday, June 19th to Friday, June 26th, 
uh, they say we encourage you. Yeah. On your birthday. Yeah, on my birthday. Um, they say we encourage you to listen to any five podcasts created by black podcasters. Please use this time to check out podcasts you may have never heard of. Also, uh, let's get everyone heard. Our goal is to black out the top shows and episode lists with black voices on all podcast streaming sites. Nice. Yep. And the hashtags are uh, hashtag black podcast support and hashtag blackout top shows. And I 1000% am like, fuck yeah. And I 1001% am like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and Latte is like, give me a cookie. Yep, lattes like I went to the vet today. Give me another cookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm just I'm I'm excited. This will be it'll be awesome. I I say yes. Um, I I have for our promo for uh, this week one that folks can get started on after listening to this black podcast. Cause hey, I'm black. Mm-hmm. I write most of the material. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> Do and most of the research. Yeah, you, you, yes. <laughs> and the editing. Yes. You you do 99% of all the work on this. Um, but we're I gonna... am just here to, to make dick jokes. and. <laughs> um, but we're, we're going to be shouting out uh, for our promo this week. We're doing Book of Lies, which is one of my favorite podcasts. And I listened to the Volkswagen episode today and oh my gosh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I felt so vindicated. Anyway, uh, so it's it's going to be a little bit different because A, I want us to cover ragtime more than once, especially because this version that we're going to be doing is a little different than what you would normally see with ragtime. Yeah, you were telling me a little bit about that. So Yeah, and B, it's also different because it's one that I was in and we normally are saving those for bonus episodes. Well, patron episodes. Patron episodes, which are bonus episodes. Mm -hmm. Like Fair, fair. Um, but uh, that, because of the way that things are going right now, you know, I, I want us to do this show because <laughs> you're going to realize that it's very, it, it's still really relevant. I mean, granted, it is through a white lens, but there are points that they make that are still relevant to today. So, so, so today's lesson is that uh, nothing changes and <laughs> shit sucks forever. Well, nothing changes unless you fight for it. And even then, you gotta, I guess, even then get might, rid of everything. It might change would, just a little. Yeah, it only changes a little bit until you fight really, really, like, <sighs> we've been fighting this. For 400 years and it sucks and we're tired and i am tired watching the news well the little bits of news that i get like on twitter or facebook or if i uh i i try not to log into our local news because we're in utah and that's just always gonna make me mad yeah <laughs> especially because like the main one that i check is ksl because it's not owned by sinclair Unfortunately, it's owned by the church. <laughs> so, yeah. <sighs> yep. So, it's it's been it's been a hell of a month, two months, three months actually. Year. Century. Four years. Yeah. It's <laughs> Yeah. Yep. So, it's okay. Uh 
tell us about this version of Ragtime versus the other version. Yes. Um, so I'll do a little bit, a tiny bit of background on Ragtime, just like basic things that, like who did it and stuff like that. But then we'll go into this specific version. So Ragtime is based on the book Ragtime by E.L. Doctorow. I do want to cover the book at some point because it is pretty different from the play because the book is, the play is very sanitized compared to the book. Because, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh, okay. Like the book, the book has like not sanitized in the, the racism aspect, but more in the, like, sex and stuff aspect. Oh, oh, okay. Um, so the book talks a lot more about, about, uh... Like, there's... Ball, there's... About, <laughs> about ball play and... <laughs> no, no, but, like... Bedroom polo? <laughs> Jesus. So, the play... There's gonna be a character in the play who has a crush on somebody, but it turns, like, it seems unrequited in the book it's an actual affair that this guy has and mm. like there's other stuff like uh the father character is not faithful to his wife in the book whereas in this they kind of gloss over that um and so when we cover the proper stage play then we'll probably go deeper into that especially because you will have had the knowledge of the musical a little bit so that we can talk about the book more. So you said proper stage play. So is there just a straight play version and then there's a musical version or no. is the other version a, a musical as well? The other version's a musical okay. as well. Um, the version that we're going to be watching is a concert version. So because your husband is uncultured swine, <laughs> can you explain to me what makes a concert version different from a, a normal version. So the concert version is less choreography, less sets. It's it, the version that we're going to be watching is very stripped down. It's still the whole show, but it's very stripped down to where like when we were doing it, it was we we still had everything memorized, but we weren't like actually performing we were performing the songs, but we weren't, outside of a few numbers, we weren't doing a lot of choreography. And that's because um, with licensing, there is a difference between a concert version and a full stage production. Um, the full stage production of Ragtime is very lavish with their sets. So I have kind of an odd question, yeah. just because the way that you're uh, describing it, it's making me think of the versions of Les Mis that we've seen where mm -hmm. there isn't necessarily a whole lot of dancing in a lot of the songs. It's more of just people singing and maybe walking around on stage while they sing. Is it closer to that? No, because oh. we actually have not seen... The closest we've seen of a concert that you will be able to kind of go, oh, okay, was the Alive Zombie musical. Oh, that's what this is going to be kind of like, except for that instead of describing the scenes... Like, we're just doing the whole show, but it's a concert. We haven't watched the Les Mis concert yet, and I do want us to watch that at some point, because that is another thing where it's different from the actual show. 
Um, I just realized you you made a reference to a show that we have not We have yet not reviewed. covered it, yeah. but people know that we were going to watch it because <laughs> we talked about it on Twitter and we're going, oh my god, the zombie musical is going to be available. Um, we'll, we'll cover that one. I, I've got that one on the back burner for October, so so that we can release it then. So October zombie musical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Maybe, well, no, there won't be any musicals being staged properly in October. What am I saying? Anyway. <laughs> um, so a little bit more in the background before I get into, uh, the version I was in. Um, the, the book was also adapted into a 1981 movie that is going to be a lot more faithful to the book. <laughs> a 1981 movie? Yes, and I have seen the movie, and the movie... Is, is it Owie? Yes, but the play is also Owie, but it was funny because with the movie, I watched it when I was getting ready to do Ragtime for the first time in 2005, and I was like, this is so different. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more fucking... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god my favorite quote from k there was a lot more fucking <laughs> however the they do cover because um without getting too much into spoilers they do cover the death of one of the characters a lot more brutally uh, in, the, in movie? the movie and in the book um and i will warn you it's gonna hit you really hard so prepare for that. Um, this is also going to be your first Duran and Flaherty movie, or not movie, musical, um, that we're covering for the show. You have previously seen one of theirs. It was Susical, and that one's very different <laughs> from this. <laughs> um, I believe the comment I made was apples and oranges from Mars and Venus. Yes, because, like, I, I've noticed that, like, with Duran and Flaherty, they did Ragtime, and they did Once on this Island, and they also did Susical and Anastasia. <laughs> yes, they did Anastasia. Interesting. That's them. Um, which, actually, that one's not necessarily happy either, if you think about it for too long. Um, it's also not true at all, but you can't really sell that to children. Um, <laughs> uh, and... So the duo consists of lyricist Lynna Wren and composer Stephen Flaherty. And notably, the book of the musical was written by the late Terrence McNally. He was a casualty of COVID this year. Oh. That one still fucking hurts. Um, this production, like the first production of Ragtime was in Toronto in 1996, and then it went to Broadway in 1998. Again, we're going to cover that a little bit more in depth when we cover a more traditional version of Ragtime. If I can ever get a copy of the one that I did at Hale Center Theater in 2005, I want to show it to you because I have mixed feelings about kind of... You were telling me a little bit yeah. about the uh, yeah. the tone-deaf nature of... Uh... Some of the stuff behind doing that show especially the audition notice but i'm it's it's stuff that we'll probably cover when we do a proper ragtime because it's different from how i experience things doing this version of ragtime all right so like i said 
I'm going to talk more now about the experience I had with this version of Ragtime. So, like, as I had said previously, this wasn't the first time I did it. The first time I was in Ragtime was at Hale Center Theater in 2005. Um, so this version, when was this one done? This one was done 2008, right before we met. Oh, that's right, met. right before we met. Yes. Okay. Um, it was July of that year at Sandy Amphitheater. And this was, I believe this was my first time working with Sandy Amphitheater, um, because the next time that I did it was Susical. Yeah, I was going to say that that's one that I... Yeah. That was the first show that I ever saw you in. Yes. Because I was taking you to rehearsals and yes. stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, that was... The experiences that I had between the two shows are night and day. Yeah. Because Ragtime was directed by my very good friend Trevor Jerome, who is black. Susical was not. <laughs> and working on Ragtime with Trevor was a dream because it's very different being black directed by black people. I can imagine. When you're direct when you've got like a white production staff, you deal with a lot of microaggressions. <laughs> Oh, really? Which I dealt with in Susical. You saw some of them. Yeah, I fucking did. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was kind Christ. of your. That was kind of your. One of your introductions to being with a black person. Oh, man. <laughs> that and the microaggressions at restaurants, but you know it. Uh, <laughs> and in stores, <laughs> it is really. Uh, I have learned so much after meeting you mm -hmm. just because being a white cis male especially in utah mm -hmm. with the way that i you know before i was growing a beard and stuff like that and had longer hair and stuff like that i i, I looked like a returned missionary more yeah. or less so people would generally assume that i was part of the local uh uh culture yes <laughs> i was gonna say something else and my brain went don't do that uh <laughs> And, and until I open my mouth, they go, oh, he said fuck, he's not Mormon. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. And and then when you and I got together, it was like, I just saw this whole, it was like someone pulled the curtain back, mm -hmm. and I was seeing a lot more of other stuff, and I was like, holy shit, like, mm -hmm. we're getting treated different because we're an interracial couple. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, yeah. And you're oh. just like, oh, just, it must be Tuesday. Yeah. You're just, yep. Oh, I have I have so many stories of growing up in Utah, especially being the child of an interracial couple. And when people saw me with my mom, they would be really like, oh, how awesome of you to take in this little black child. Oh, when did you adopt her? No, she's my biological daughter and I know her father and my we are married. Suddenly just like... You can't play with her anymore. Yeah, it's like, oh, now you're you're uh you're you're dirty now mm -hmm. because you're the product of something that was yeah, yeah. unclean. Yeah, and like getting called a Lamanite and stuff. That was <laughs> that was fun. Um anyway, uh... so but back to ragtime. So Sorry. this was no, you're fine. This was such a wonderful the Sandy Amphitheater ragtime was such a great experience because while I talk a lot about how important the 2005 ragtime was. The importance for that was that I finally had a black community in theater. Because I didn't have that up until that point, really. Like, 
I had acted with my friends uh, Naja and Stormy for years, um, but that was through a children's theater group, which it was a theater school, and they were doing like public domain stuff. So it's a little bit harder to do the race plays that a lot of theaters in Utah want to do whenever they have black actors where they go, okay, well, it's got to be about slavery or Jim Crow or something like that. It's got to be black pain. Yeah, it's got to all be about black pain. And um, it was it was very, it, like, at ragtime, not only did I get to act with uh, Natalie P. and Naja again, but uh, I, I got to meet more black actors here. Uh, there was a theater group before that called People Productions, but it's now defunct. And at the time, a lot of the shows that they were doing called for adults in the cast, and I was 14, <laughs> and I looked 12. <laughs> and I still look 12. Um, I mean, I would say you look 16. Maybe yeah. maybe 18. Maybe. No, it depends. It depends. It's... It's one of those things that thank you for growing a beard because now we don't get ID'd going to movies <laughs> anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, but, like, it, it was one of those things where Ragtime in 2005 was a catch-22 because we're at a very white Mormon theater with white Mormon directors and white Mormon production staff. And, yes, there were black Mormons, but it's... It's very different from white Mormons. Oh, yeah. Very different. <laughs> like, it is a completely different culture. Because, yeah, it's it's just, it's very different. And we just, for, we basically formed a community in that. And it was one of the most important experiences in theater. So jump to 2008 when Trevor is directing Ragtime at Sandy Amphitheater. And a bunch of us come back for it. Like, uh, my friend Anthony... Uh, my friend uh, Sean, who wasn't in Ragtime at the time, but uh, or at the Hale, but he was in Once on This Island at the Hale, and that was a great experience with him too. Um, he's the one that everyone confused for Trevor for a while. Even though they look nothing alike, <laughs> they don't look anything alike. <laughs> and so um, it was just it was one of those things. And then like uh, I got to act with my friend Candace again, who she was Aida. At the, uh, I, I think, I don't know if it was the Utah premiere of Aida. It might not have been, but she was, we were in Aida together at uh, Sarah Shell in Orem, which, that was an experience. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. That was an interesting experience, because there were five of us black people. In a black show. In a, bl in a show that has basically like you have an Egyptian cast that are all white for some reason and then a Nubian cast that are all black. And it's supposed to be a large group of Nubian slaves. There were five of us. <laughs> so they had to have the white actors behind us with their faces obscured as like to pretend that they were part of this ensemble. You know, it's good that they did that rather than, like, trying to go a blackface route oh or something God. like that. Yeah, I'm so glad they didn't do that. Like, Orem's not that tone deaf. It's still tone deaf, but it's not that tone deaf. I just imagine you get the wrong director who just doesn't oh, see anything Lord. wrong with it. No, the director for Aida was amazing. He was a great guy. Um, but 
uh, I, I was in Aida with Candace at, in Orem as well as in uh, The Hail Again, which that was a, <laughs> that is a wild production. It's less microaggression-y and more horrifying stage accident-y. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I wasn't involved with that stage accident. <laughs> no, I'm glad, because you're alive. In fact, I wasn't there that night. It was the other cast night, oh, and my friend their, called me. Person got their ear ripped off? Yep, my friend called me just in tears telling me about it. Uh, that was a show I was in with Bianca, uh. who I adore. Um, she wasn't in ragtime at this time, because she, she had already moved, I believe, by that point. So... Tangents uh, aside. <laughs> tangents aside. Even though Sandy isn't the paragon for race relations in Utah, Sandy's a pretty white city, too. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, there is a part of Sandy called White City, which is a little bit like... Mm, <laughs> yeah. Don't like that. Don't yeah. like that. Um, makes me go, were you a downtown? I'm pretty sure you might have been a son downtown. I know that Highland was, I'm pretty sure, but I don't know. Anyway, um, it, it, I feel like this production of it opened the minds of a lot of people that were in the show with us. Like, it, it was... So, in this show, you're going to hear a lot of use of the N-word. I know! By white people. <laughs> and we had a lot of times those... The actors who played the characters that would say that had a really hard time with it. Because they were just like this isn't a word that's in my vocabulary. I don't... Because they, they've, they've, from a very... They've, from a long, from very, well, I shouldn't say from a very young age, but for years they've been told that that word is like mm. a knife and yeah. hurts. Yeah, and, and it, it still does, even when we hear it in a show, but it's like, well, we're acting, we have to be okay with it for acting purposes, but just it's it's very difficult to be in a show with that um and it was it was very interesting because the guy who plays willie conklin in this uh rest in peace he he was such an awesome dude he also was the grinch when we did Susical, and he was very like he was apologetic the whole time and he was just like i this character is so despicable but, and we're like, no, but make him as despicable as you can when you're acting in this character, because people need to know that this isn't okay, that Willie Conklin is a bad guy. <laughs> you know, it just, it's, it's kind of like the whole thing with Leo DiCaprio, where he was, like, upset saying the word and stuff. And Samuel L. And... Jackson had to kind of come over and be like, yeah, just, it's, it's, it's just Tuesday. Yeah, it's just Tuesday. Um, and it's it's like... This is one of those reasons why I kind of go, like, with theater, there is a place for shows like this in theater. Just make sure that this isn't the only black show you're doing, <laughs> or the only show with black people. Like, do, do shows that are more fun, too. <laughs> like, just, just, you know. So, in my ignorance, the only fun black show that I know of is The Wiz. What are some other fun black shows that are not focused on black pain? So, Dreamgirls is fun. There is black pain in it, but it's a lot more, like, focused on the music industry and Motown and stuff. Um, so you've got that. Um, there's... 
there's a show called Carolina Change that while it does cover black pain, it doesn't just focus on it. Because unfortunately, a lot of theater that white people will watch <laughs> has to have some of that because a lot of a lot of white theaters that I have noticed will be like, oh, we have to only cover that because we need to show that we care. And it's like, or, you know what you can also do? Cast us in shows that, like, don't necessarily have a race affixed to them. Oh, gotcha. Cast us in The Wizard of Oz. Cast us in uh, Oklahoma. Cast us Black in... people don't just have to be in black pain shows. We don't just shows. have to be in black pain shows. We can be in other shows. We can... We can be in Chorus Line. We can be in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. We can be in Guys and Dolls. In fact, it makes sense to have us in Guys and Dolls and in Oklahoma and shit. Like, it makes sense to have black people in Wizard of Oz as Dorothy and the Gales. Like, it just, it makes sense. Historically. <laughs> it does. Have us in, hell, have us in the Superman musical, which we'll cover at some point. <laughs> there's a video of it from justin mcelroy so we're gonna cover it um like it's just it's one of those things that granted there are not a lot of black joy musicals a lot of them still have pain in them but like you can still cast us in other stuff and if you cast us in tarzan don't only have us be the gorillas Don't have us be gorillas. And I hear that and I go, I have fun playing a gorilla. Like, I just, I sit there and I go, <laughs> I sit there and I go, please, please at least be, uh, be conscientious of what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, have us in how to succeed in business without really trying. <laughs> As more than just the one secretary that sings at the end of Brotherhood of Man. Like, more than just that role. Have a black rosemary. Have, just just do it. <laughs> Go with, it, like, it, it's, it's something that we're talking about in the black theater Zoom chat that it's like, okay, if you're not going to do black shows other than ones like Ragtime and Aida and Civil War and Big River. And Once on this Island. And Once on this Island, which once on this island is kind of wishy-washy for me because gotcha. on the one hand it's black pain because it does deal with the haitian revolution on the other hand it's fun as fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite shows i had a lot of fun with that one because i was percussionist okay. on that you know how there's lol there needs mm. to be faf just faff <laughs> fun as fuck um but like cast us in other shows <laughs> cast us like in Susical, if we're not ensemble, we're the Sour Kangaroo. Sour Kangaroo? That sounds like a goddamn like hairbro candy. But that's what it is. It's like we're either going to be the sassy black lady or we're stuck in the back or we're not cast. Do you guys have any gummy sharks? Oh, we're all out, but we do have sour kangaroos. <laughs> uh, they're too tart. We're watching, we're not watching, we're reading Horton Hears a Who after this so that you know who the sour kangaroo is. Um, <laughs> anyway, like, which it's kind of funny having a black person play the sour kangaroo, but beside the point. 
Um, God, you're cute. I'm glad you think I'm cute. I'm kind of going on a rant, and probably half of this is going to be cut out by the end. But, like, just, uh, I, I get kind of annoyed that the only, the only times that they ever call for, like, black actors, or the only times that they ever cast us in things are when they go, oh, this is specifically a black role. And they do that with Asian actors, too, specifically an Asian role. Latinx actors, specifically someone who's of Hispanic descent. Like, no, cast us in other roles. Cast us in more than that. Cast us in fucking Christmas Carol. <laughs> Black people were invented already. <laughs> Trust us, we were in England. We were, uh, <laughs> well, was, we were brought there a little forcibly. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair, Black people were invented first. Yeah, so. <laughs> we were invented first. We're the OG. <laughs> So, like, it just, uh, it drives me nuts. I, I... So you mean it drives your ovaries? Those need to be removed. Um, anyway, (laughs) the, like, ah, gosh, thinking about Christmas Carol now, that was a adventure, trying to audition for that back in the early days. I was 12 auditioning for Christmas Carol. God, you were such a cute little kid, too. I just imagined 12-year-old Kay just auditioning, and you were probably... I did not get cast, because they were casting down to eye color for family groups. So fucking stupid. (laughs) And the one time that they had an Asian woman in Christmas Carol, people flipped their shit. They were so mad, like the patrons for Hale were. They were so mad about that. When Utah is so racist over the dumbest shit. It really is. Um, my mom, Mama Kay, was in the green, or not in the green room. She was in a part of the lobby that they would have like a live stream of the show playing, which is why I know they have archive footage. Um, but she was in the, she was in that room, and I want to say it was during Once on this Island. It was either Once on this Island or Civil War, and she overheard one of the folks saying, and I'm going to say the word for this because it's verbatim, they need to stop doing these nigger shows. Yeah. If I'd have been in the room, that's when I would have gotten my first assault charge. My, and Mama Kay was just like, I I don't know for sure what she said, (laughs) because I know what she told me she did. But I also know Mama Kay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that um, Mama Kay is very defensive of me. Like, because I am her only child. And also Mama Kay has always been very uh, pro-black. <laughs> always. Because her family, while being Italian, had their... Had lawns... Or had uh, crosses burned on their lawns well, for like being Italian Like Catholic. your mom talked about, she, she remembers what, before Italian people were considered white. Yeah. So, so which, uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's a little rant there. Probably not going to stay in the show, but, um, with, with the Sandy production, it was just, it was a breath of fresh air, even though the show is a painful show because of Trevor. You got to work with people that you love. Yeah. I got to work with people that I love. I got to work with our black community again directed by a black man and it was just it was it was wonderful because trevor is an amazing director he's an amazing artist he's 
a awesome conductor because that's what he did for Susical was he was conductor for it. Um, the one that I saw you in? Yes. Okay. And I just... Maybe that's what needs to happen too is more theaters need to have black directors here in Utah especially. Probably. Because like... Because then they'd be in charge of casting as yes, well. Yes, they're in charge of ca- They're more in charge of casting. This was a good experience. Ragtime was because it was very much like Ragtime at Sandy because Trevor made it a good experience. And dear God, I do wish he was still in Utah to be a black director here because he was a very good director. <laughs> And probably one of the best. And it's like, uh, the. however, there is another theater company, but it's all the way in Ogden, which makes it very hard for me to go to, called uh, Good Company Theater, and it is a black-run theater. That is, if y'all are wanting to support theaters in Utah and support the black community in theater, go to Good Company. Don't patronize other theaters if you're trying to, like, until they start hiring black directors, hiring black production staff, hiring black actors outside of race plays. Just go up to Good Company and support them once uh, theaters can reopen <laughs> without the threat of death. Because <laughs> I, uh, I guess uh, Centerpoint opened to audiences with people in them. <coughs> yeah. The minute that I would, I will tell you, in 2021, if we go to a theater, the minute I hear a cough, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm so fucking scared of coughing now. <laughs> I'm just like, why'd you cough? What you doing? <laughs> Mask up. Actually, that should just be standard right now. It's just masks. Anyway, oh, that's probably going to get cut too. This is going to be a fun one to edit. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I have kind of run out of things to say about Ragtime. This was sort of a K on a soapbox. I I don't mind because you have a lot to say and and that's because you have a lot of experience. And uh, me being the sheltered cis white man uh, does not know a lot of things through through experience other just other people's experiences yeah and and i think we're also kind of i don't know i think we're also kind of biding time because even though i'm very excited that i get to see you perform and i get mm-hmm. to hear you sing because i love hearing you sing mm-hmm. i am also not excited for racism yeah because you know how i feel about that yeah yeah it's this is a rough watch this is a very rough show, um, especially towards the end of the first act and all the way through the second act. It is a rough show, um, but it's an important show, and I'm glad that we actually have a version of it to see, because it's it's needed in this time. This is a show that I feel the right holders should release to be viewed because i know that some of the issues in looking at why uh shows are not available to be seen on video 
a lot of the issues I've found is that uh, it's because of actors' unions, uh, the rights holders, etc. Just fucking release Ragtime, y'all. <laughs> Just release it, because America needs it right now. It really, like... Because we're not going to see any of the black productions, because, like, Shuffle Along isn't taped at all, which... Ugh, hurts. Uh, bring into noise, bring into funk isn't taped at all. You can watch Colored Museum on YouTube, but that's in parts, and it's on YouTube. Um, but, you know, it just... These shows need to be seen right now, because theater is a great way to teach. It is... That is kind of the per Like, the arts... The purpose of the arts, part, part, partly is that is a intrinsically human thing. We are one of the only mammals that does art for fun as part of our species. We are one of the only mammals that sings. Just, like, I mean, little babies just sing. Only other species that do that are birds. They ain't mammals. They're, I don't know what birds are. Because they keep changing what they are. They're dinosaurs. Okay. <laughs> They're dinosaurs. But, like, they keep going, like, uh, we really don't want to put them in reptilia. What the fuck are birds? <laughs> and then, what the fuck are dinosaurs? And then, what the fuck are crocodilians? What the fuck is anything? <laughs> birds, crocodilians, and dinosaurs just fuck up cladistics all the time. But this isn't a dinosaur <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but, like... It's, it's just such an intrinsically human thing that that's why theater and the arts can hit you a lot harder because that's something that just instinctively humans sing. Even if it's not great, they still sing. Yo, right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Random question. Mm -hmm. Is there a dinosaur musical? I've been looking for one. Because I really want to cover one. I'm just picturing people in those big puppet costumes on stage, like, singing and dancing. Yeah, closest thing that I know of with a dinosaur stage play at all is the Walking with Dinosaurs thing that we... I think you went You and I, me. yeah, we went, yeah. we went and saw that back when I had discount tickets to Larry Miller stuff. Um... <laughs> Oh, I miss those days. What was funny about that is I think you and I were like the one of the only adult couples there, and then it was a lot of people taking their children. <laughs> yeah, which I was kind of like, this is a, this walking with dinosaurs is depressing. <laughs> like the baby T Rex's mom dying. That's just that's fucked up. But anyway, um, no, I don't think I don't know if there's a dinosaur musical. If there's not, there needs to be. Right, okay. I want tap dancing velociraptors <laughs> with their little claws. Click, click, yes, click, 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 click. Even though their claws wouldn't do that, but <laughs> I mean, they can still go like that. You can't see. This is amazing audio. <laughs> I think it's about time that maybe we. Uh, yeah, this is time that we go and uh, rip that bandaid off. You took the words right out. You were allowed mouth. to swear on this Good, episode because I have been. Yes, but, like, you are also allowed to swear at the show. Um, and I will. Because uh, this one isn't in Black History Month because it's not black written. <laughs> it's it's not a black written show. 
Black History Month, I cover black shows. Because, and after Black History Month, whenever I fucking want to, I cover <laughs> black shows. Whenever I can fucking find them and don't have to read them. <laughs> Somebody release the tapes for Shuffle Along, please, dear God. Anyway, are you ready? No, but I know we need to do this. All right, well, let's go. Because everything was ragtime. Ragtime, 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 ragtime. Let's go. <laughs> Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah! Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Hi! I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book, Book of Lies, the podcast where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies Podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook, and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye! Bye. And now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. I have a feeling I know what you're gonna say, but, uh, what'd you think, Warren? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I... I think that's worse than the whale noise. No. Looking at that. I mean, I don't know. It does kind of just peak. Just block of solid blue, but... Yeah. Uh, that... <laughs> yeah. I... I knew it wouldn't... I knew it wouldn't end good. I just knew it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It's one of those situations of that I hate when I'm right. Yeah. Like, there, are, there are, like, these little uh, uh, asterisks of, hey, but this thing happened at mm -hmm. the end, but it's still punctuated with bullet holes to the heart. Yeah. Yeah. When I did that yell, Latte came over like, what the shit, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was concerned. She was like... Oh no, they're talking about ragtime. Oh no, he's broken again. <laughs> Dad's broken. <sighs> I. Uh, it's a good show that is well done, but mm -hmm. it's just it's it's owie. It's it's owie. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of owie. Yep. And I I'm I'm, I'm a spongy cunt who doesn't like owie so 
I can't handle the owie. I is is why I don't seek out owie. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting a lot of stuff that happened in this. Um, I mean, I warned you as much as I could without spoiling. I you. know, I know, but that doesn't prepare me. Mm-hmm. And even then, you can't, you can't, you can't prepare someone for ultimate suffering. It's it was good though. Yeah, I'm glad that you liked it, even though it hurt. You were really cute in it. Thanks. It's it's funny uh, seeing you in it because it's like wow, like that is Kay from ten years, well more than ten years ago, mm-hmm. and and just twelve years ago. Yeah. Holy crap, twelve years ago. Uh, but that is, it's, it's, it's it's the year that we met. Yep, so, it yeah. is. So and you, God, you were really cute in it. I I had a big dumbass grin on my face every time you showed up and uh mm-hmm. especially when you had your solo and stuff like that you had like and this mixed it was because like a serious heavy hammer blow to the heart happens and then Kay has a solo and i'm like it's you but ow but you <laughs> and so it <sighs> yeah <laughs> that one won't be as hard to edit because <laughs> i turn my head a little bit more Guess I should have gotten you the screaming pillow. Yeah, I guess I could have used a screaming pillow, huh? Yep. I just usually like keep it locked away for February, but you I know should've... what would be funny is to like get a custom made pillow that just says the screaming pillow on it. <laughs> just have it sitting somewhere, and that'll be a conversation piece. When people come in, why do you have a pillow that says the screaming pillow? You've obviously not listened to our show. Anyways, I uh, am putting this off long enough. I mm-hmm. guess we should dive into the the uh, emotional trauma mm-hmm. and uh, psychological scarring that yep. is. And as a as a caveat, um, just so that folks know, as Warren's doing the review, there were a couple of times where. He wanted to quote something from the show, and <laughs> I asked. <laughs> yeah, you asked me regarding like, can I quote this part? Can I quote this part? So, um, yeah, there's only I think there's only going to be one there's, time. There's only that, one, and it's not the N word. Yeah, so. it's it's neither of the N terms. It's it's a phrase that the grandfather says. That's <laughs> yes. So yes, yes. Uh, okay. Let's dive right into this, shall we? Yep. The year is 1902. A little white boy gives us the date and talks about how things are pretty great for white people. We get an introduction to our main white people who are rich. Money from, like, fireworks and shit. Old rich white man is annoyed by everything, and I suspect that also includes people with melanin. (laughs) We see Colehouse, who is a successful black man. I don't remember how he made his money, but it is talked about later, so I can say it now. Are you okay, my dear? Okay. I wasn't expecting the voice, and I wasn't expecting it to go on as long as it did. It's only for this intro part. Uh, it's my old-timey voice. Okay. Or at least one of them. It's kind of similar to my prospector voice. 
They're like, hoo hoo! Oh god. <laughs> 1902! Hoo hoo! And oh my god, there's Kay! Look how beautiful you are, Kay! Mm. Anyway, there's there's Harry Houdini and uh, uh, a lady anarchist who is uh, angry at all the capitalists. Uh, I get that. Uh, taking advantage <laughs> of immigrant labor, because that's, you know, what they do. Come to America and experience the American dream where <laughs> you have to be asleep to believe it, uh, mm-hmm. in the words of George Carlin. There is a fancy dancing lady and her rich... <laughs> she is she's a fancy dancing lady i mean more or less like a, a burlesque dancer but uh there's a fancy dancing lady and her rich violent husband who apparently murdered his wife's lover and uh it was considered the crime of the century even though it was only 1906 and we still have 94 years to go <laughs> this was a period referred to as ragtime anyways <laughs> the character referred so this is really annoying to me and I'll just say it right now for people who don't know about Ragtime. There's characters mother, father, younger brother. And it's like, it, it only makes sense if you look at it from the perspective of the little white boy. Because, uh, so, and then, then like, the, they refer to each other as mother, father, younger brother. Like, and mm-hmm. it's just, I found that incredibly annoying. Uh, that might just be me. <laughs> I don't know. But I make some jokes about that. So, oh, God. anyways... Father is going to the North Pole, probably to extort Santa for some free elf labor or some shit. Anyways, the rich white family sees Father off on his journey, and Mother's younger brother sees fancy dancing lady Evelyn Nesbitt and is like, I'ma try to tap that. And he goes off to introduce himself, while Grandfather is like, My legs hurt, I'm going home. Father is like, I'll miss you. And Grandfather is like, Then stay home! And hobbles away. Mother is bidding her husband goodbye and is like, don't get eaten by a polar bear. And father is like, I won't. Now get off the ship. Father leaves for his trip and mother sings about God blessing her husband on this trip. And I guess America too, while we're at it. Mm -hmm. Father is talking to the admiral and they see a rag ship. The admiral says it's full of poor immigrants from every cesspool in Europe. But father is like, God bless you, immigrants. Which, I guess, is pretty mm. cool of him to do You're that. You're going to be my patron soon. Yeah. The Admiral makes a comment to that. Oh, your future patrons. Ha ha. They're going to get to America and be like, we can buy explosives? Sweet. <laughs> too bad Terror we're right. Too bad we're too poor to afford it. Oh. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, which is pretty cool of him, I guess. An immigrant named Tata is telling his daughter. Tata. Tata? Yes, Tata. Oh. Oh, I have him as Tata. I thought that that was a little, a little weird. <laughs> so I guess my jokes about Tata and boobs isn't going to work really well now. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> I will probably forget that his name is Tate. And I'll just refer to him as Tata for the rest of the thing, because that's how I have it in my notes. It's, it's like the uh, more adult Desert Star reimagining of Ragtime. Desert Star better not touch <laughs> I don't think Desert Star could do a show that has this much use of the word of the N-word in it. True. I don't Although think that could Desert, be that I could don't... be funny if they go to say it and they're like, mm, yeah. I don't know if Desert Star has black people. Oh my actually, God. I, I think you're right. I don't know if I've ever seen a black person at Desert Star. So people who don't know in Utah, there's a, a independent theater group. It's called the Desert Star Playhouse, and they put on like mock versions of of 
stuff, and uh, it's kind of... It's melodramas. Oh, is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's hit and miss. I mean, because some stuff's really funny in it. I think it depends on the cast. Around. Anyway, anyway, anyway. We're not yeah. talking about Desert Star. We're talking and, about Tata uh, <laughs> and his daughter. Well, and before we get to Tata and his daughter, um, you've got on the same ship with... Because uh, this is something that I like, is that you've got uh, Matthew Henson as well, who was one of... He and Admiral Perry were the first two to make it to the North Pole, um, and Matthew Henson is black, and you have... Um, it just, it, it's, it's one of my favorite moments, too, where he kind of gets that dig in at uh, Admiral Henson, just like... Uh, he's going like, oh, these people are coming in on rag ships, <laughs> and he's just like, my people were also brought here on ships. Oh, I didn't... And, okay, so yeah. Sean's character. I yeah, didn't realize, Sean's character. I didn't realize that's who he was. I mm -hmm. just kind of... He was he, Matthew Henson. Because he calls him his first mate, so I thought he was just like... yeah. But you, you know things about stuff. <laughs> and I, I... You hear about, like, famous expeditions. Oh, the first people to reach the North Pole, and my brain just goes, why the fuck would you want to do that? <laughs> yeah, let's risk life and limb to travel to the middle of nowhere... Where we'll all freeze to death, most likely, just so that we can plant a flag and be like, yeah, my explorer dick is bigger than your explorer dick. It's like, no, no, no. I hope you do get eaten by a polar bear, you dumb shit. I'll do an info dump on you later about the South Pole, because that was a sad trip. I know that one be just because the guy who wanted to be the first one to get there ended up being the second person to get there and everybody died. And it was just, and then he died on the way back mm -hmm. after he got there and was like, Fuck, I did not get here first. We ate all the ponies and all the dogs. <laughs> yep. And um, probably some people. Yeah. Uh, another thing with Mother's Song, it's kind of interesting, uh, her Goodbye My Love. It's a very... It kind of gives you what her character is like at this point in the show from the beginning. She's very much, oh, I'm a subservient wife. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stay at home. Mm-hmm. She, I'm just waiting for what you want me to do. Yeah, she really actually does have quite the transformation. Mm-hmm. Especially considering um, the time period. Yeah. <laughs> was, you know, it's, 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 that, it's that wonderful good old time period in American mm -hmm. history, in American history where uh, women and people of color mm -hmm. weren't people yet. Yep. 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 Yep, 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 yep. Whenever people say, oh, wouldn't you, what time period would you like to go back to, Kay? I just go yeah you're like uh <laughs> i point at my arm <laughs> you're like it's not, you're like it's not exactly safe now so yeah the future <laughs> <laughs> we won't go Maybe. to the future the future anyway anyway back to tata back to tata and his uh, daughter tata is telling his daughter so they're on the immigrant ship that's coming in the rag ship mm -hmm. they're full of immigrants coming to the new world looking for a better life mm -hmm. and uh this entire part i kept thinking of uh, 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 American Tale. Yes. I just, as around there, I'm just like, there are no cats in America and the streets are paved with cheese. Oh just, my God. Just because it's so true. It's like people come, immigrants coming to America, like, oh, America, the land of opportunity where I can work really hard and be successful. Oh, it's corrupt as shit. That show hits fucking hard once you know, like, Oh, Don Bluth wasn't pulling any fucking punches. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, back to Tata. We need to get to the uh, the racism and pain of the uh, show. We need to stop distracting ourselves with, like, cartoon mice. Mm -hmm. so, okay, Tata. 
We're back to Tata, everybody. Everybody's on the same route. We're on the boat, immigrant ship, coming to America. And Tata is telling his daughter not to talk to anyone or give her name. And basically to say, if you want to talk to me, talk to my father. He speaks for the both of us. Neat. Uh, this song is interesting. And as you were talking about, it's the whole uh, uh, it's mother's song. Mm-hmm. Um, anything actual meat and potatoes about the song? will have to come from any song, really. will have to come from you, because yeah. I'm me. So, but you did talk about that. Th- well, I talked about the song before this one. Go fuck me. Okay. <laughs> Later. Um, so this song was... Uh, it's Journey On, and it's basically... Father is talking out towards the uh, immigrant ship. That's right, because they're, they're like, passing each yeah, other. Yeah, they're passing. And so it's two ships passing. In the kinship of the darkness, one going from, one coming to America. Yeah. And then as as Tata, Tata sees uh, Father's ship, and his daughter's like, where are they going? I love He's that He's a line. fool on a fool's journey. I love that so much. The daughter's like, where are they going? The fool's going on a fool's journey. Mm-hmm. See, he Tata knows what's up. He's like, why the <laughs> fuck would you go to the North Pole, you dumb shit? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of my... I. <sighs> I love so many songs in this show. The music in it is it's really so good. good. Like, that's what I was saying. Like the show, like for all of the owl in it, mm-hmm. it is a really good show. Yeah. And so like we got done watching it and I just had to like sit with it for a second. I was like, are you okay if we hold on, rec- hold off on recording for a little bit? You're like, yeah, you need to sit with this. I was like, yeah, I need to sit with this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like during Black History Month, there were a few where it was like, Let's wait a day before we <laughs> record the reaction. <laughs> oh, okay. Two ships passing, one full of immigrants coming to America and the other full of explorers going on a journey. We then cut to Mother's younger brother, which I don't know why they don't just call him Uncle, but what the fuck do I know? <laughs> Anyways, Mother's brother talks about how he is so horny for Evelyn Nesbitt. Speaking of which... We get Evelyn's backstory song about how she's so pretty and popular, and at the age of 15, she married her crazy rich husband, who's crazy abusive. And apparently, he's not guilty of murdering either. Well, he's not guilty of murdering because uh, he was out of his mind with jealousy. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure his money had nothing to do with getting off of the murder charges either. And so that's the song that they're singing about, that he that he got off in court because he was crazy with jealousy and that mm-hmm. was the plea or whatever. Yeah. And I'm sure that there was some greasing of palms of the judges to mm-hmm. uh, make sure that he didn't go to prison because as we all know, rich people play by a different set of rules than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And she is an actual person. Evelyn Nesbitt I is. was wondering if some of the people in this yeah, were. Yeah, uh, Evelyn Nesbitt, Booker T. Washington, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, he was the only person I knew for sure was a real person. <laughs> and Harry Houdini. Well, well right? Okay, well, Harry Houdini. But uh, J.P. Morgan, Henry oh, yeah, Ford. I guess Jerry. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> Emma Goldman. See, I wondered about real. I wondered about her. Mm-hmm. But the whole, the whole uh, uh, I don't remember the name of the last name of the family, the main white family that, mm-hmm. that we deal with. Yeah. None of them are real, right? No, okay. and neither are Cole House and Sarah. They, or Tata and... <sighs> Tata struck me as not real just because of stuff that happens later. Anyway, yeah, Tata's an amalgamation of character or of okay. people. Anyway, boy, I'm getting sidetracked. Okay. 
So we just covered Evelyn Nesbitt talking mm-hmm. about her backstory. A reporter is going after Evelyn, asking about her crazy rich murdering husband. And if it's true that Evelyn has had nightmares about this and about the other thing and mother's younger brother, who I'm fucking referring to as uncle, goddammit, <laughs> comes to Evelyn's defense and is like, hey, reporter lady, fuck off. Evelyn is like, thank you. Say, you're that creepy guy who comes to every performance and I fucks me. Well, a loyal patron like you deserves reward. And the two do some face touching. <laughs> Uncle, <laughs> Uncle is like, I love you. And Evelyn tries to get him to tell that to the, to the reporter. And Uncle insists, no, I really, really love you. Evelyn shoots down Uncle's boner and tells him, no, you love the girl on the swing. But now you can tell everyone that she kissed you. And then she kind of... <clears throat> Tramps off stage. <laughs> Tramps off stage. And she shoes up. She shoes. I missed my line. She shoes uncle away. Mother's <laughs> unnamed little boy and grandfather run into uncle and are like, did you bang Evelyn? And uncle throws a hissy fit. I don't ever want to hear that name again. And he runs away crying like a heartbroken teenager. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of his family who are like, I guess he did meet the bimbo. <laughs> <laughs> unnamed little boy asks his mother if Evelyn Nesbitt is the whore of Babylon. <laughs> mother inquires where her son heard that, and I guess he read it in one of grandfather or father's magazines. I don't remember It was uncle's one. magazines. Oh, it was uncle's magazines. Yes. Okay. Uh, mother is like, oh, I'm sure Evelyn is a very a nice lady. She's just confused. The little boy starts shouting, warn the duke! Yeah, because he sees Houdini's plane, or a plane talking about like, Oh, come see Harry Houdini. and That's when he uh, just starts belting Warren the Duke. He's just like, Houdini, Warren the Duke. And Mother is like, why do you keep saying that? Is this a red rum situation? Are you psychic? Are you lassie? Is the Duke trapped in a well? Oh, holy shit, I found a little black baby in the garden. Mother has her unnamed son go get help while she sings. How could someone do this to their child? Little unnamed boy comes back. You know what? He needs a name. Let's call him Timmy. He looks like a Timmy. Anyways, (laughs) Timmy fetches what's-her-face servant girl, who mother then dispatches to go get help. Help comes back with Sarah, a black woman who apparently is the mother of the baby, and she will not answer why she abandoned the baby. The people who brought Sarah are like, well, she'll be charged with attempted murder most likely, and the baby will be put to a... uh, in, an unf- in a place for unfortunates like him. Yeah. Mother is like, I, the noble upper class woman, will take responsibility for both Sarah and her child. It's a little, some white savior stuff going on in here, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I'm, if, if shit like that actually happened, I'd be like, okay, cool. But yeah. I get the feeling that like shit like that never fucking ever happened. It's just there to be like, look at the good white people in this really racist time period. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, and then people, and then they usher, then the people who brought Sarah then usher her off stage. Uncle tells mother, thank you and follows the people escorting Sarah off stage, shortly followed by Mother, who is still carrying the baby. Tata and his I, daughter. There's a line right oh. when she's carrying off the baby. She's just like, you know, uh, when when she's doing her What Kind of Woman song, she's going, you know, why did you go? Why to her husband, who's, you know, not there, but like just going, why did I let you leave? Because you gave me lists, and the lists aren't helping me here. And then after she 
agree after she says that she's going to take in Sarah and the baby, she's just like, if you would have been here, you would have gently closed the door and turned the key and told me not to look for fear of what I'd see. And she's just like, what kind of woman would that have made me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where you see the starts of her transformation. Of her transformation, because like when her husband's not around to tell her what to do and think, and she's left to her own mm -hmm. devices, she becomes a really good person. But yes. if she had her asshole husband around, she would remain the subservient, whatever you think, mm -hmm. dear. And so I feel like she's the character that kind of has the most growth. And I almost feel like she is supposed to be the audience surrogate, even though it's from the little boy's point of view a little bit because he's the narrator i feel like she's what the audience is supposed to be it, it, she's who at least the white audience is supposed to be like oh okay this is who we need to follow through the story because she kind of has the most stable character growth yes she is not self-destructive mm -hmm. and she doesn't get anyone murdered yes <laughs> unlike some other people <laughs> like some other people uh no but i think that's that's an interesting perspective that i didn't think about when we were mm -hmm. uh watching it initially yeah tata and his daughter start singing in yiddish and we see other immigrants singing in their native languages as well. And I think they're saying that America is their home or something. They keep saying America with like a reverent tone. Mm -hmm. uh, all of the immigrants come together and start speaking English like good immigrants should. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Tata starts telling his daughter that the American dream, that anyone can succeed in America if they work hard, to which I laugh and laugh and laugh. Anyways, Emma Goldman, who was uh, ridiculing capitalism in the beginning song, like a commie, gives Tata's daughter <laughs> some money and is all immigrants sing and is and and all the immigrants sing about how this is America, the land of success. So Tata is an artist. And I don't remember what it is. He like he he stitches stuff or something. He right? cuts out silhouettes. He cuts out silhouettes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's what Tata does. And he's like, while uh, uh, Emma Goldman is like trying to get him to join her social her American Socialist Party, he's mm -hmm. just like, no, I came from a socialist country, and I'm here in America where anybody can be a success if they work hard. And mm -hmm. and she's just like, uh huh, yeah. He's like, she's like, all the businessmen just take advantage of of poor immigrant labor while the immigrants mm -hmm. can barely afford to feed themselves, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And, and he's just like, yeah, go away, go away. I'm, I'm here to, to be a successful artist, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. He's very dismissive of her. And, uh, he, she, he ends up doing something for Emma. I can't remember what, like cut out a silhouette or something. Mm -hmm. And then she goes to pay him and he's like, Oh, you insult me or something like that. Mm -hmm. She goes, no, it's not for you. It's for the child. And she puts it in, uh, Tata's daughter's hand, mm -hmm. which do we ever learn her name? Nope. Okay. Just want to make sure I didn't miss that. No. And so she gives Tata's daughter some money and the immigrants sing a song about how this is America, the land of success. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Emma Goldman talks about how Tata's daughter is sick often and Tata is struggling to pay for stuff. Emma circles back around and is like, you rich yet? You hard worker, you? Tata gets angry because apparently Emma is trying to start a socialist party and Tata came from a socialist country and doesn't want to be part of her politics. Tata is telling Emma to take a hike when a guy shows up to be like, hey, how much? 
and Tata thinks that he's a customer. Turns out he's a creepy pedo who wants to buy Tata's daughter. Or mm-hmm. at least some time with her. We just, yeah. Tata loses his shit, understandably, and tries to murder the pedo by strangling him to death. A cop stops Tata from murdering the pedo and is like, you people, and walks mm-hmm. off. Tata is like, I am not you people. I am Tata, and she is not for sale. Mm-hmm. Tata has a bit of a breakdown and tells his daughter that he promised her America and they will find it. Yep. And it's this really powerful moment where he like he get, kind of gets some disillusionment about what mm-hmm. he built up America to be in his mind. And then he gets here and he's just like, man, this isn't what I thought it would be. But you know, yeah. he's telling his daughter, like, I promised you the land of opportunity and we will find the land of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Tata takes his daughter off stage, and the and uh, Cole House enters the scene, ushered by his black entourage, including my fucking beautiful twenty-year-old, not yet my wife. <laughs> Cole House sings about how the good Lord blessed him with Sarah, but because he was not a faithful man to her, she left him, and he realizes he loves Sarah, so he's going to find her and win her back. We then get a Henry Ford song because Cole House is like, Sarah will be so impressed when and she sees... And that's after the getting ready rag, which is a fun dance to do. Oh my gosh. That's the uh, thing where they're, where it's like uh, getting Cole House ready, like primped up and stuff to go out and see Sarah. And then he's just like, I'm going to go get me a Model T. Just... Top of the line. So that song you're talking about, the getting ready rag, is that that's the one where like your character was kind of taunting him a little bit? That yeah, that was right before that. So oh. it was um, when Cole House is doing his whole, you know, she saw me lonely and loveless, and I loved that woman, but not too wisely, not too well. She left me without a word or a trace. There was no pity for me. None whatsoever, Cole House, and then... Yeah, that was you. Yeah, and then after that, he is just like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go win her back, ladies and gentlemen, the getting ready rag, and then it's a dance number that's right after that that's really fun. I remember that, but I didn't, I didn't... You are fine. Anyway, so... I am here to plug in the holes. Yep. Plug in holes. Um... (laughs) Then we get the Henry Ford song because Cole House is like, Sarah will be so impressed when she sees me in this Model T. And Henry Ford song is about how each person is a cog in the machine that is America. And while Henry Ford is a racist ass clown, he also invented the assembly line, so cool. Anyways, the Henry Ford song ends and Mother comes back with little Timmy, except she calls him Edgar. I already named him Timmy, and since we just now learned his name is Edgar, he gets to be he gets to continue being Timmy. You know what? Let's compromise. Oh God, he's Tedgar. <laughs> That's fair, I think. Anyways, Tedgar is out in the city with his mother, and they spot Tata and his daughter. But Tata has gone a little cuckoo, and he has his daughter tied to him with a rope, because pedos apparently want his daughter. Tata and his daughter meet Mother and Tedgar, and have a polite interaction about how children are silly. Mm. And it's because it's kind of like uh, uh, Tedgar is staring at Tata and his daughter, and Tata's daughter's like, that boy is staring, and Tata's like, it's because he doesn't have manners, or blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And then the mother, I can't remember how they make polite conversation, but like... 
you know, Tedgar's like, what's your name, little girl? She's like, I don't have a name. Everybody has a name. And da da da. They're just being silly. And the parents are like, oh, kids, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of the gist of that scene. Yeah. More goes on there. But you get, uh, you get some sparks, a little bit of, of uh, fireworks going back. A little, little <laughs> oh, cra- I see what you did little there. A little crackling of electricity between Tata and, uh, and, uh, uh, mother. Even though she's just like, oh, I'm being nice to this poor, dirty immigrant. And I'm an upper class rich white lady uh yes children are silly we see cole house who comes across a raucous group of white men including the so 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 maybe i got this mixed up mm-hmm. uh the same guy that played because you know people play multiple characters yeah uh the same guy that played uh evelyn nesbitt's rich millionaire husband mm-hmm. also plays this douchebag right yes. or are they the same he, person he plays the same per- like they're not the same person they're he not plays- the same person okay, but he plays the- two parts okay that's what i was double checking because mm-hmm. i thought it was odd that there was a millionaire who was a volunteer firefighter yeah no that's two separate people okay so this note's not going to make a whole lot of sense but i'm gonna oh, read no. it anyway <laughs> we see cole house come across a raucous group of white men including the jealous crazy murdering millionaire who called cole house the n-word and tells him to leave the scene shifts to... So this raucous group of, of white men are volunteer firefighters. And Cole House is just walking down the street. And he actually asks the guy for directions. Hey, is you know is this where I need to go to find whatever? And the mm-hmm. guy's like, oh, you're in the wrong place, N-word. This mm-hmm. here's a toll road and blah, 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 blah. Just being a, a dick, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, this, so Cole House kind of turns around and leaves. And uh, the scene shifts to Sarah holding her baby. And singing into the baby's face about how much his daddy sucks. At least that's what I got from it. It was it was a. Uh... But the thing that made me laugh is as she's holding her baby, looking at her baby, she's just singing into the baby's face, and I just picture this baby just being like, "Jesus Christ!" I mean, as we found with musicals, that's it just it just made me laugh. Just the thought, mm-hmm. just. I challenge you, the next time you hold somebody's baby, just start singing into their face and see what happens. You mean that's not a normal thing to do? No. That's why they don't let me hold babies at work anymore. That and you give them to me and I eat them. That's true. Yeah. Tender. Um, so. Yeah. So that song, you were going to say something about um, that song. So she's, she's also kind of processing why she buried the baby in the garden yeah she she we, had we kind of don't really focus on the fact that she tried to murder her baby mm-hmm. she tried to kill her baby yeah his he was born out of wedlock he was like she was in a deep depression and postpartum depression is a serious thing, and at the yeah. time, they did not really know how to handle it. Especially being... They kind of don't know how to handle it today. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's basically her kind of explaining to her baby and asking him to forgive her for what she did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And talking about when I saw you, I saw... Your father. Your father, yeah. and it just... It just was too much. She mm-hmm. saw she saw the man that she loved who was cheating on her, and and they don't really say if he was cheating or if it was that he was just on the road and didn't really like. Well, she thought, thought that he didn't. I thought he mentions that he wasn't faithful to her. He just mentions that he well, 
didn't love her wisely or too well, so it doesn't really... It doesn't explicitly it's say nebulous it. as to why. Yeah, but we can all read between the uh, infidelity lines. And, I mean, it could have just been a case of he was like, oh, this isn't a serious thing, and then it's like, oh, actually, it was a serious thing. Take me back. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't know that there's a baby in the equation. Yeah, he doesn't know that there's a baby yet. He just is like, hey, I'm going to go get that hot woman that uh, mm-hmm. I was banging, and then she left me for some mysterious reason, probably because I was banging other women. Uh, anyway. <laughs> So Sarah was singing into the baby's face. <laughs> uh, and Colehouse shows up to look for Sarah, and Mother goes to fetch her. Tedgar is like, this is Sarah's baby. Do you want a cookie? Actual <laughs> line. what he says. Tedgar, like, goes away, never to come back with a cookie. <laughs> but Mother goes to tell Sarah that Colehouse is here. And she's like, a Mr. Walker Jr. is here to see you. And Sarah is like, send him away. I don't want to see him. And this situation... Week after this is the situation week mm-hmm. after week. Colehouse comes back every Sunday. Right bef- right before he does the coming back every Sunday, after Edgar's like, This is Sarah's baby, do you want a cookie? and leaves. That's right. Colehouse he... has the oh my god, this yeah. is our kid, and he just picks up the baby and he's singing to the baby and I it's one of about those that. moments that gives me chills and makes me just want to cry because I'm just like, yes. I forgot to make a note of that. And you know what? He does it better than the mother because he doesn't scream into the baby's face. He's like, <laughs> it's like this very gentle, like, oh my gosh, what have I missed kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like it's, it's a, it's a very uh, tender moment that yes. he has just him and this baby while Edgar is going to, Tedgar is going to get him a fucking cookie. So <laughs> that, never but that never happens, you know, you know, that needs to be a t-shirt. Give Cole House his cookie. <laughs> oh, what if that was a brand? Cole House cookies. Yeah. Hot and bothered. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Okay, there we go. Okay, anyway. Anyway, uh, uh, so Tedgar never comes back with a cookie. Cole House sings gently into his baby's face like his mother should. Uh, <laughs> Sarah tells Cole House to fuck off. <laughs> And uh, so Colehouse, he tells um, after mother comes back and she's like, Sarah is not able to see you. He's like, he's like, understood kind of thing. He's like, tell Mm -hmm. her I'll be back next Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that's the situation. Week after week, he comes back every Sunday to try and get Sarah to see him. And he's turned away every Sunday like clockwork. But he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to wear her down. I'm going to show her that I'm serious. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I'll, you know, it's a good lesson for men out there. Just wear a woman down. (laughs) Persistence, you know. No doesn't mean no. Just keep, <laughs> just keep working on them, and then eventually they'll be like, "Ah, fine." <laughs> That's how I got married. Uh, okay, so week after week, Colehouse comes back again and again, only to be sent away. Except this most recent time, Mother asks him if he would like a cup of tea before he leaves. Colehouse comes in and talks about how he's a professional pianist, so that's how we learn how he made his money. And he's looking for permanent work. He's tired of traveling. And Mother asks Colehouse if he would like to play something, and he does. He mentions that the piano is in bad need of some tuning. And Grandfather, in all of his... Grandfather. 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 (laughs) I should call him Grandfucker. Grandfather. <laughs> Grandfather, in all his tact and class, asks Colehouse if he knows any coon songs. I got, and I have it in here, I got permission to say this, it's a line from the show, mm-hmm. so don't be mad at me. 
and Colehouse is about to pecker slap Granddad, but he says, this is ragtime. Because he has a line he's talked about that coon songs are made for minstrel shows and stuff, and he has he has some real stank, just like, like just to this, and I do not play mm-hmm. those things. He goes, what I play is ragtime. And thanks to February, you know what all of those are. <sighs> yep, yep, yep. Knowledge is... Context. Knowledge is power, and, uh... Anger. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, so he says, this is ragtime, and he plays some music, and old g is like, out of tune or not, that piano never made such a sweet sound. Like, everybody just loves Cole House's plan. And I didn't realize this until, like, later, because Kay had told me, I really like ragtime music. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's very quaint, and it's very just charming, mm-hmm. and I like it. It's good. da 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 yeah, it's just, it's just nice. Anyway, uh, and that's actually that actually made me think of Desert Star Playhouse because they they, they do play rag they play ragtime music, music uh, like intermissions and before the show starts and yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but now, guess who's back? Back again. Father's back. Tell mother because he's not happy that she's holding a black baby because father <laughs> is a racist fuck yep. who I wish would have died at sea, but we're all not lucky enough. <sighs> <laughs> okay, father is being a dick to his wife, who is being a kind and loving person by taking in a woman and her child. Father, mother, Colehouse, and Sarah are all singing, and Sarah decides to finally come down and see Colehouse, and the two embrace. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the the time that Colehouse comes back, and Sarah and uh, mother's like, "Would you like a cup of tea before you hit the mm-hmm. road again?" And that's when father comes back from his fucking ice capades journey <laughs> just just real just, ice capades you know i get sure there is an appeal to be an explorer like the adventure seeing something mm-hmm. that nobody has ever seen you know what's in the north pole and the south pole the south pole at least has penguins the north pole <laughs> doesn't have penguins they have polar bears they got arctic foxes and stuff like that but it's just a desolate cold ice scape nothing there no reason to go there other than to die a terrible death. <laughs> I have no strong feelings about this whatsoever. Okay. Sarah, Colehouse, and the baby are having a picnic, and Colehouse is talking about a great man, Booker T. Washington, and how he got his degree from Harvard. Colehouse feels like this that his son is going to be born into a world full of possibilities for black people. And I fill my heart sink and die inside my chest. Cause history Cole house current (laughs) Cole house continues to sing about how America is changing and everyone has a chance and hard work will yield rewards for everyone with fire in their soul. And I also feel my soul die at the impending sadness that I know no is right around the corner of this fucking right around the fucking racist corner that's what i meant to say (laughs) emma goldman talks about how she just came back from somewhere in massachusetts and talks about how mill workers and talks about the mill workers there who are getting fucked by their employers emma continues singing about how this is supposed to be the land of opportunity Uncle walks into Union Square looking for a warm place and hears Emma speaking and is pulled in by the others as they chant, Strike! Strike! 
strike. So Emma is telling these people that we need to, you know, stand in strike with these workers, you know, uh, in solidarity because, you know, it's, it's, it's the same kind of thing that we see where it's like the rich people, they can wait out the poor people because mm-hmm. the poor people need money to buy food so they don't fucking die. And so yeah. eventually they're going to be like, okay, fine, we'll come back to work. Yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of the thing that they were talking about. Uh, uh, anyway. The scene gets kind of jumbled, and Kay tells me that this scene was shortened for this production, and what was cut was Tata protesting with the others. He tries to get his daughter on a train to get away from the uh, protest, because the protesters are getting brutalized by the police. Uh-huh. Everything old is new again. Uh-huh. Uh, Tata leaves the protest because he can't leave his daughter alone, because... You know, as as we've seen, there are pedos in America. Mm-hmm. I just imagine. Oh God! Now I just imagine them on the ship. There are no pedos in America. Oh. Oh, God. Then they get off the boat. How much for your daughter? <sighs> Anyways, Tata shows his daughter the most his most recent invention. So I assume this is like they get on the train and they get off the train at its destination, and Tata's with his daughter. Well, he's showing her on the train. Oh, on the train. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you, Kay. So Tata is showing his daughter his most recent invention, a book with pictures that when you flip the pages, they move. He sells it to a man and calls it a movie book. After selling it, he tells his daughter that they will get that with the money that they got from selling the movie book. They will get a nice bed, a hot bath, and tomorrow they'll make more of those movie books and everyone will want one of Tata's movie books. Foreshadow. (laughs) <laughs> the scene changes to Cole House and Sarah, who just wanted to pass the racists from the earlier scene, but they won't let him. T- uh, they're telling him that he has to pay a toll of $25, which back then was like a bajillion gazillion dollars, so very unfair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cole House says that he's going to find a policeman, and if anything happens to his car, the perpetrators will have to answer to Cole House. Mm-hmm. Cole House leaves in search of Johnny Law, who will surely enact justice to help him. Nah, just kidding. The cop said no, and while Cole House was away, the racist destroyed his car and took a shit on the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Sarah tries to tell Cole House to come away, and Cole House insists that this is America, and justice for all is their civic right. We get to hear the background dialogue and all of the runaround that Cole House got with his search for justice. Trying to go yep. through legal means. Going through legal means. He keeps getting turned away, keeps getting told no, keeps getting told, oh, well, there's nothing we can do, keeps telling, like, all this... What does this sound like? All this bullshit runaround. Cole House... Cole House exhausts every uh-huh. possible means of getting fair and equal treatment and justice, and it really fucking sucks. Colehouse says that he will not be moved from this issue and that he won't marry until he gets his justice. So he's like, him, he and Sarah are supposed to get married and stuff, and, and I think that's something they were talking about, the picnic, too. Yeah. And now he's talking about, like, basically he's like, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna get married until this issue is resolved kind of thing. I think it's mm-hmm. like, I don't necessarily know what the connection in his mind was for that, mm-hmm. but, you know, Sure. I mean, you just had a serious grave injustice upon you. Yeah. And so I get the feel that he's like, you know, I can't move on from this, you know, because mm-hmm. Colthouse is a hardworking man who just wants to be treated equal, just wants mm-hmm. to be treated like a human being. But mm-hmm. because it's 1906 and. Yep. Yep. <sighs> the president is in town 
for a rally, uh, for re-election. Mm-hmm. And Sarah decides that she will approach him to get help with the situation regarding Colehouse and his damaged motor vehicle. As she does approach, the Secret Service murders her mm-hmm. and leaves her body on the streets. Claiming she has a gun. Uh, just She just goes, Mr. President, Mr. President. And they just, boom, beat the shit out of her. And uh, Colehouse finds her and weeps over her body. Two men come out to take Sarah's body away, and Colehouse stays in the spot where she was murdered. The only good thing about this scene is that Kay has a spotlight solo, and I get to hear them sing. Uh, but everything else in this scene fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bring out Sarah's in a coffin, and they place her in front of Colehouse as everyone sings about how they won't get to heaven until they get justice. This sad song closes out Act One. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an interesting. Oh, and what's what's interesting with this song? You have uh, like um, Tata basically being like, "What is?" Because they have the different community reactions as well. Like the main focus is the black community's reaction. Yep. But then you have like the immigrant community going. What the fuck is wrong with this country? You mm-hmm. have the white community doing a lot of empty platitudes of, oh, this was a terrible thing that happened. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, just, just it's more. It's very empty. Yeah. Save it, for younger brother. It, who... it, you know what it reminds me of? Thoughts mm-hmm. and prayers. Mm hmm. Thoughts and yep. prayers. It's the 1906 equivalent oh, of oh, thoughts, thoughts and prayers. Oh, thoughts and prayers. Let's not do anything. Yeah. And then you get the fire getting turned to, like, full blast um, in younger brother's eyes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think one of the reasons that this show hurts me particularly mm-hmm. is because I can so, so empathize with where Cole House goes mm-hmm. in the second mm-hmm. half of this. Uh, yep. Yep. Because if you got murdered, mm-hmm. the, the the remaining threads of my sanity would snap. Yeah. So, Act 2 opens up with Cole House singing about darkness and pain and how he can see Sarah's face. Mad with grief, Cole House starts shooting any volunteer firemen that he can. Well, I think just firemen in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rich white family who took Sarah in is like, holy shit, Cole House went nuts. And old Grandpops is like, we never should have been nice to that N-word. And the rich white people march off stage. The volunteer fireman who vandalized the car is like, that guy can't take a joke. You guys need to hide me because that crazy black man is going to kill me. Mm-hmm. A representative of the black community. I realize now that this is Booker T. Washington. Yes. Uh, so Booker T. Washington is talking to reporters and is like, I cannot condone what Cole House has done, but I wish I could speak to him. Meanwhile, Cole House has gathered a posse of other angry black men and is kind of uh, on a rampage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burning down firehouses. I, 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 I cannot fault him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, uh, it's understandable. Uh, and especially seeing stuff just keep repeating yeah this this is why i'm kind of like this show needs to someone's archives need Uh, to release this show it's for america right now uh, yeah because it's very much a hey this is happening 
right now. Not a whole lot has changed in 110 years, mm-hmm. you know, plus four. Yeah. So, 114 years. Look at the big math brain on K. I taught math for a year. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, we cut back to mother, father, uncle, and Tedgar. Father is like, <laughs> father is like, this crazy black man better not come to my home or I'll kill him. I've gone to the police and explained everything, how we took in Sarah and are currently caring for Cole House's child. Father blames mother for having female sentiment and bringing these troublesome black people into their lives and making their entire family victims. Uncle tells father to stuff it and calls him out on his shit, asking father if he told the police that those men vandalized Colehouse's car, and when Colehouse tried to seek legal justice, he was turned away at every single opportunity, and when Sarah was murdered, there was no justice for her either. He tells father that he has no concept of history, and that he has traveled the world and learned nothing, and that he hates him. Uncle stomps off, and Father is like, he'll be back. Tedgar asks, why is Uncle so angry? Why is everyone so angry? And Mother is like, why don't you tell your son, Father? Why don't you talk to your son? Father goes over to his son, kneels down, and you think that for a moment, he'll do the right thing. But instead, he's like, how would you like to go see a baseball game? Then he tells Mother, I'm taking our son to see a baseball game. Father tells Tedgar that you'll like baseball. It's a civilized gentleman's game. The moment is cut short as a bunch of baseball hooligans are cursing and yelling. Father is trying to shield his son from the profanity and even has to cover his son's mouth as Tedgar is about to curse at the ref. The baseball <laughs> hooligans continue singing about bashing people's teeth in and what a great game it is. Mm-hmm. That's actually... Um, a nice bit of levity mm-hmm. in the show after everything after, that's been happening after everything else like uh because it's just uh, when younger brother had his uh <laughs> reading the rights you turned to me and you're like i've got a new favorite character yeah immediately i was like oh uh disillusioned white man who is now militantly for the oppressed that's like hmm <laughs> who does that remind me of uh <laughs> The scene changes back to Cole House, who says that he will burn down every firehouse in the city if he has to until his justice is met. Back at the mother-father house, a social worker is trying to take Cole House's baby away to put it in an orphanage or something. They just call it a place for, for uh, unfortunates, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, it's, it's going to be a child workhouse or an mm-hmm. orphanage or some combination of the two. Yeah. Uh, something like that. But Mother is like, fuck off, I'm caring for this baby. Evelyn Nesbitt is in the background singing about Atlantic City. And I guess Father has a business trip to Atlantic City. Uh, Evelyn sings about... Well, he decides he's going to take them away there to kind of get away from the media circus because Mm. they get reporters in their house, they get social workers in their house, all this stuff. And he's just like, let's go, let's hide away while this, dials da- while this dies down. And, and doesn't Mother say no? It pretty much. Like, she's just, no. And then he's just like, well, we're going. I've already reserved the cab. <laughs> and it's very, um, like, that, that and the baseball scene kind of reminds me of the ways that people, even now, are reacting to these issues, where it's like, let's distract. Jingle the keys. Yeah. Look at the keys. Yeah. Look at the keys. Look at the keys. Distraction. Don't look distraction. At that. Look at the keys. Look yep. at the keys. Yep. 
don't acknowledge history. Look at the keys. <laughs> it's like after Bambi's mother gets shot, and then it just goes to. Tra la 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 Exactly. I hate that I know that song. Anyway. So Evelyn sings about how she was sleeping with someone famous and became a celebrity herself overnight, but she warns the ladies in the audience to be careful of the choices they make. Otherwise, they too might end up scantily clad on a swing in New Jersey. Harry Houdini is here again. <laughs> Everything old is new again. Jersey Shore joke. Oh, there you go. Uh, Harry Houdini is here again. Uh, singing about breaking the chains. And who comes in but Tata. And about how his mother died, so now he's doing even more dangerous stunts oh. because he's, try he's trying to get himself to make contact with the other side and he's going to mediums and he and that's something that actually happened after his mother died he started getting like okay maybe mediums are real and that's where houdini uh fun history tangent got to where he was like wow fuck spiritualists and that's where <laughs> he made that code with his i think it was a code with his wife that it was like okay if a medium tries to contact this is the code this is a code word. Mm -hmm. And then you and I did the same thing. Yep. So those of you, you now people, now people know a little special something about Kay and I. We both have a code word. So if one mm -hmm. of us dies, well, actually mm -hmm. I should say it's a code phrase. So if one of us dies, that's mm -hmm. how we'll know if a psychic is legit. Yep. Because only the two of us know this special code yep. phrase. So yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Harry Houdini is singing about breaking the chains and who comes in but Tata. All four... Although he's clean-shaven and in nice clothes, his movie books have apparently worked out for him and he's now in the movie business. Tata ridicules Evelyn for looking into the camera and she's like, But I'm not an actress! A fact I'm constantly reminded of, quips Tata. <laughs> Mother walks in and Tata introduces himself as the Baron something. Uh, Ashkenazi, I believe. Baron Ashkenazi? Oh, like Ashkenazi Jew? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Yep. So he basically is just like, I'm Baron Jew? Is that what he's <laughs> I saying? I it, it's, it's a name that they decided to go with. It's Because, I mean, he's doing a gnome de plume, so... What? A, a uh, gnome de plume, a... Uh, wow, the actual... The term that's... Pen name. That's oh. the word I'm trying to say. Pen name. Gnome de plume. Oh, Okay. Okay, that makes... It's fucking French, isn't it? Yes. Fuck you, French. <laughs> uh. Okay. The only group that you seem to really, really hate. No, 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 no. Outside I don't of... have an issue with the French. You hate, I hate their, their language. fucking language. You hate the French language. Uh. You know, I get mad at English for their silent letters. French just takes that and goes, Hold my beer. Oh, you hate silent letters. Try to say the word for bird. I'm not even going to ask. Okay. So he introduces... don't go there. <laughs> Tata introduces himself to Mother as the Baron Ashkenazi, but, they'll, but I'll call him Baron. Bar Baron Tata. Baron Tata is gawking at Mother and viewing her through his mini movie screen magnifying glass thingy majigger to see how she would look on camera. Father does not like this strange man gawking at his wife, but when Tata is like, 
I'm a successful movie person who's got lucky in America. My first two films both cost $500, but have returned over $10,000, which is like a trillion bajillion gazillion old tiny dollars. <laughs> Baron Tata and Mother's Kids. What was that accent? I don't know. I think I think it was a I think it was a poor man's Borat a little bit. My throat kind of hurts and so I'm having a hard time. Uh-oh. Uh, no Rona. A no Rona. Um, God damn it. No, it's going to be back in my head. Damn it. Baron Tata and Mother's Kids are both playing, and Mother comments that she's happy their children have become such good friends. So, like, what happens is uh, uh, Baron is talking money and his success to father and mother, and then just kind of walks off stage with this family. Just mm-hmm. He's, like, trying to, like, I don't know, I guess impress them with his success kind of thing. And yeah. so we get the impression that that their families have been hanging out together the entire time while they've been in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Mother then is like, oh, I'm so happy that our children have become such good friends. Baron Tata softballs a flirty question, asking Mother if a woman would ever leave her husband for a butcher. It's because of the film he's working on. Yeah, he's he, yeah he's trying to work on like a romance film about a woman, like an upper-class woman who leaves her abusive husband to mm-hmm. be with someone of lesser means, basically. Yeah. And uh, so that's why he asks uh, Mother that question. And Mother is like, well, if he was a kind, if he was kind and cared about her, then yes. The two kind of flirt, and I'm getting the idea that they might end up together because uh, Father is a racist douche. Anyways, Baron Tata reveals that he's not really a Baron, but a poor immigrant, and that he's Tata, the man that, that, that uh, she met previously. Mother is like, now I don't know, now I know even less what to think. Because when um, Tata first met Mother, he had a big old long beard. Mm-hmm. And then when he became famous, or when he became successful, he shaved that fucker off. Mm-hmm. So he's all clean shaven. And as we know, that transforms a man. I I lose uh, 15 years off my face if I shave my, my shitty scraggly beard. Uh, and then we get ID'd at Iron Man 2. And then we get ID'd at PG-13 movies because <laughs> fucking reasons. Um, so Mother is like, now I know even less of what to think. And the two still make eyes at each other and walk off stage. Meanwhile, Uncle is looking for Cole House and is getting the rough, t- the rough tongue treatment from the Harlem residents who are like, we should have beat this cracker's ass the first time he came around. Uncle is like, I'm a friend. I promise I will come back as many times as it takes for Cole House to see me. Cole House's posse are like, okay, this cracker's all right. And they take Uncle to go see Cole House, who is living in the past and uh, remembering the first time that he met Sarah. And it's like super sad. Uh, the moment is done. And Colehouse returns to the present, just in time to receive Uncle, who is tripping over his tongue to decry Sarah's murder and give an empowered speech about justice. Instead, he says, I know how to blow things up. And Colehouse shakes his hand, and the pact is made. So while this is happening, you have uh, Emma Gold- Goldman in back saying he wanted to say that he wanted to decry her murder. He wanted to mm-hmm. say this, you know, kind of thing. But he's just, I, uh, um... Uh, you know, she's like being his inner monologue. He wanted to say this. He wanted to tell him mm-hmm. this. And then he just goes, I can blow. I know how to blow things up. Yep. Because he works for, you know, that's their family business is fireworks. Yeah. Uh, 
He knows how to make boom booms. And that escalates things. That escalates the situation. And Colehouse is like, excellent. We have artillery now. Uh, back at the mother-father estate, father tells his family that he has to go to New York because Colehouse and his gang have taken control of J.P. Morgan's library. Is that like... I guess yeah, J.P. Morgan a was a banker. Yeah. So I was kind of like... He also had a library. When the was rich. Yeah, I, when they were saying that like... He, he, that Colehouse escalated his, uh, his attack from firehouses to going after J.P. Morgan, the most powerful man at the, of the time period. I expected them to be like, oh, he's taken over a bank. Mm-hmm. So when they said it was a library, I was like. Because that was what he cared more about. And if you notice, like. Oh, really? Well, I guess for the way that this is portrayed, because like he's talking about when they're doing the hostage negotiations, it's like. I have these Shakespeare folios. I have uh, all. I have this. I have this. He's got lots all of all this uh, property. Pro- gotcha. He's got lots and, of uh, time pieces mm-hmm. and the treasures of civilization. And I yeah, miss that part. It's, it's it's one of those things that I'm like. Also, once again, everything old is new again. Also, fuck J.P. Morgan. Yeah, um, fuck him. He can he can uh, be a self fucking. It's too bad that we haven't invented the self-face-fucking J.P. Morgan. We gotta invent the self-face-fucking Nazi True. first. Um, you know, keep them busy so they're not doing Nazi shit. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so Father says he's gotta go to New York because Colehouse and his gang have taken control of J.P. Morgan's library and are threatening to blow it up. And since Father knows Colehouse, the authorities think that he'll be useful as a negotiator or a hostage. And I'm sitting here like... These dumb motherfuckers, you know who might have actually been useful? The kind woman who took in Sarah and her child and has been continuously taking care of that child. Mm-hmm. Maybe have her come to Colehouse, come uh, come with Colehouse's child to talk to him instead of, instead they want racist father to be like the negotiator. If you think about the way that people that white society generally is with white women and black men nah. that would have been even <laughs> more like they there would be no yeah, way they would have allowed that i guess that's fair it's it's uh, I, well i mean, no 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 that's not fair yeah, but that's probably but if i'm thinking like a racist asshole that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah it's it's that bullshit again. It's that bullshit again. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyways, so now Mother is singing about how things can never go back to how they were before. So, like, Father is like, we'll we'll deal with this business of Colehouse and then everything can go back to the mm-hmm. way it was. And she's like, things can never go back to the way they were. I am a song. strong, independent woman now. I know that I don't need your limp dick male authority. That song is so fucking good, too. It is really good. It's, it's... Ah! Uh, like I keep saying, this show <laughs> the show is, is really good. And it's, it's so uh, relevant for this exact moment in time. It's so messed <laughs> up how relevant it is, and it's so it's so it's so disheartening too mm-hmm. just because you look at it and you go, Jesus Christ, the same the same shit mm-hmm. is just happening over and over and over. And mm-hmm. just Okay, okay. Okay. Huh. <sighs> So Mother is singing about how things can never go back to how they were before. Anyways, in New York, 
they're trying to talk Colehouse out of the library, and they're like, we have the racist fuck who who wrecked your car, and he will receive due process. You, they say you'll both receive due mm. process. And, and he's and, restoring your car as we speak. Yeah, and that guy, like, I hate, I, I'm so annoyed that he doesn't get any kind of yeah. comeuppance at all. No. He's just in there being like, man, he's just throwing out N-words, like, they're just favoring this blah, 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 blah. He's like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, mm-hmm. I hate, God, I hate that guy. Okay, yeah. okay. He... <laughs> Steve did a really good job playing him, though. He, yeah, yeah, he did a really good job because I wanted to hit him in the face with a brick. So, and that's what he wanted for that character was that it's like I want people to know how horrible he is. Yeah, and he did a real good job. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but but yeah, the negotiator is like, yeah, if you surrender yourself now, you'll get due process, mm-hmm. you know. And J.P. Morgan is like, just give him his car and hang the son of a bitch. Sounds about right for J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. Father shows up and is like, I think I know one man who Cole House will listen to, Booker T. Washington. Booker shows up to talk to Cole House, and the two have a good heart-to-heart. Booker convinces Cole House to give himself up. Um, so, they have this... I, this scene bothers me, mm-hmm. because I kind of am mad at... So from book, I feel like from Booker's perspective, he was Mm -hmm. like, what you're doing is harming the greater collective of black people. Mm -hmm. You are you are hurting black people in the eyes of white society with your your murder spree, which is true. Mm -hmm. And Booker is like, give yourself up, you know, uh, face a trial. And if they sentence you to death, go to your your death, you know, knowing Mm -hmm. that you have you've said you know your your uh you've given your side of the argument mm-hmm. kind of thing you've talked about all the the unfairness that you were received and how you know sarah was murdered like he's he's mm-hmm. basically like just surrender yourself plead your case and mm-hmm. then just let the chips fall where they may well and the thing that he says that gets cole house to do it is he's like well, you're teaching these lessons to these kids but you've abandoned your son to be raised by white people. Yeah. And think of your son. And, and that's what makes Cole House have the... Yeah, and he tells oh, he, he tells him that you're raising, you're, you've left your son to be raised by white truth mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and so your son's going to be raised on their truth, not mm-hmm. our truth. Mm-hmm. And that, but the same thing is like, like I get, I get why Booker mm-hmm. was doing the stuff he was doing, but at the same time, I'm like, no, it's not. It's not gonna work out like you're saying it is, mm-hmm. and it just. What does that feel like uh, right now? So, Booker convinces Colehouse to give himself up. Colehouse's posse are pissed because they feel like he's betraying them and their cause. Because they were they were ride or die. They were like, mm-hmm. we will. We're gonna fight the man to our dying breath. And so Colehouse is like, no, you know, we're done with this kind of thing. And they they feel betrayed. And uh, father comes in and he's like, it's me, the hostage you wanted. Father sees uncle and is like, you no good, dirty, rotten bastard. What will your sister think? Uncle is like, tell her that I love her and that she will always be in my thoughts. The posse try to push the plunger on the bomb in the library and Colehouse stops them. Colehouse sings inspiration into the posse, telling them to go out there and make them hear you. Mm-hmm. So he has this song. He's like, like. He's just he, I, you can you can expand on the song better than I can. Yeah, it's he's basically telling them, tell our story, tell how justice was our battle, justice was denied, um, and telling them, ah, 
damn song. You know what that reminds me of is <laughs> mm-hmm. is the the quote that those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. Mm-hmm. Because that's what the situation was. Like, they tried to go the legal route, mm-hmm. and then they were denied. And yeah. so it was like, and, and faced grave, serious injustice to the mm-hmm. point where they were like, you're going to hear us now, mm-hmm. like kind of thing. Like, if you're not going to listen to us when we're being peaceful, you're going to hear us when we're violent. Yeah. Um, it's, that, uh, that song, too. Again, this whole show is so good. It's, it's on my top tier because just it's relevant and it's painful but it's good and the music is amazing and the music is really good make them hear you is Is a really good song oh my god (laughs) it's a really good song yeah so cole house sings the make them hear you uh cole house's posse hugs him and one by one they file out of the library to give themselves up including uncle who wears father's hat because he looks just like him and cole house like he because Kohlhaas takes the hat off of father and puts him on the uncle, um, uncle, and he says, one white face looks just like another mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I, that line made I me I mean, laugh. it kind of works. <laughs> yeah, it kind of works because he walks out and nobody mm-hmm. bats an eye at it. So whatever. <laughs> it's now just Kohlhaas and father. And Kohlhaas asks father to tell him about his son. He asks if he's walking, if he said any words. Father tells him that his son is a fine boy. Kohlhaas asks if the men outside are going to kill him. Father says, they're good men. I would not have come if I did not believe them to be so. Kohlhaas shakes Father's hand and thanks him for the kindness that he's shown to his family. Kohlhaas exit the library, raising his hands in surrender, and is fucking shot multiple times because the authorities are liars and denied him a fair trial like they said they would re- like they said he would receive because fuck this system, burn it down to the ground, plant new seeds in the fucking ashes. Yep. Yep. And I fucking called it. Mm-hmm. I knew that that was going to happen. I mm-hmm. knew that they were not going to give him a fair trial. I knew they weren't going to arrest him. I knew that they were just going to fucking kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So now, in closing. So this is the thing. Like, God damn it. So Cole House walks out, you know, and it's very, very slow. It's very somber. And you just, you feel the pressure of this impend, like, I just impending doom is the mm-hmm. only way that I could put it. And he's got, and he just walks out, he's got his hands up, spotlight, and then just blam, 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 blam. And then Cole House falls to the ground. And then the scene, you know, changes and people start coming. And so it's, it's basically like the closing part and it just goes in. What, what did you say that it's It was called? like American graffiti. But what, there's a term for that, isn't it? Oh, the, uh. It's not a postscript. It's the you call where it, were they now? Where were they? Okay, yeah. It's so that kind of thing. So like, Colehouse's death is technically the end of the show, mm-hmm. but then it's kind of like, and these people went off to do this, and these people went off to do this, and so mm-hmm. that's where we're at now. So, in closing, Tedger says that the era of ragtime faded like a tune on the play a piano. Uncle went south to Mexico to join the workers' revolution down there. Emma Goldman and the anarchists were arrested and deported. Grandfather is dead, and I guess he's happy about it because he finally has peace and quiet. Mm-hmm. Booker T. Washington founded the Tuskegee Institute, and became the cent- which became the center of black America. And when Booker died, flags were flown at half-mast, and President Wilson and the First Lady attended his funeral. Evelyn Nesbitt's looks faded, and she slipped into obscurity. 
Harry Houdini was hanging upside down in Times Square when Duke France Ferdinand was assassinated, and Houdini was like, holy shit, that little boy. And Harry had the one and only genuinely mystical experience of his life. Mm-hmm. Warn the Duke! But I was too late. The world was already at war. Mm-hmm. Father was on a ship. Father was on the ship, the uh, Lusitania, mm-hmm. that got torpedoed off the coast of Ireland, and 12,000, tw- sorry, 1,200 men, women, and children lost their lives. Among them was father. Mother wore black for a year, and after which she married Tata. The family moved to California, including young Colehouse, who, oh my god, that baby was so fucking cute. Mm-hmm. So like in this is a cute little baby boy. Yes. So in so when in the version we watched, you know, you know, mother comes down. She's like, mother wore black for a year, and then afterwards, you know, married Tata, and it shows her next to Tata. They got their two kids, and young Colehouse, and and mother turns around. She's like, Colehouse, mm-hmm. and you see this adorable black toddler come running out and throw his arms around her, and she picks him up. And mm-hmm. stuff. That kid was so cute. That was the cutest but, baby. But I, that is like the one little, oh well. Uncle going south to continue the good fight, but for another group of people, I was kind of like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. fight the power, you go. Um, but Colehouse being raised by mother and with Tata and this, like, I, mm-hmm. I liked that. I felt like that was the one little kernel of 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 positivity at mm-hmm. the end of this. It's like, you know, at least the kid didn't end up in a fucking orphanage or yeah, something. Yeah, and like he that. was raised by someone who, who was going him. to who yeah. loved him and who was going to tell him yeah like he that's the thing he was raised by a good woman mm-hmm. like a good person it wasn't thing. it wasn't someone who would be like oh we're gonna pretend you're not black yeah and we're gonna pretend like i like oh i took you in as a as a charity because i'm such you. a good person yeah, it's more of like a no your mother was a good person your father was doing this because of the injustices he was suffering and stuff like that at least that's what i want to believe about because <sighs> i have not read the book i don't know if it's white saviory or not yeah okay and so tata says that one day when watching the children play he had an idea for a movie a bunch of children of all backgrounds religions and races who get in yet who get in and out of trouble an image of what this country could be and i asked Kay. Is he talking about the little rascals? Yep. And Kay was like, yes, he's talking about the little rascals. Which at the time was our gang, and then it becomes little rascals. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I know way too much about that series. The only thing I know about little rascals is like the 90s version that came out, because I watched that quite a bit when I was a kid. That the movie. original series was fucking cursed. Oh, oh yeah, because didn't... What was it? Uh, Alfalfa died, didn't he? All of them. All, oh, Jesus. <laughs> or Well, most of them. Uh, do you remember the Robert Blake trial where Robert Blake was the guy who totally didn't kill his wife, oh, but was, had the gun? Yeah, wasn't it the, didn't he get off on the, uh, I couldn't have shot my wife, I left my gun in the restaurant? Yes. He was a little rascal. Oh. Yeah. Which one was he? I can't remember which one. He was one of the later group of little rascals Jesus. But, yeah. okay anyway <laughs> that wow that tangent so um <laughs> next week on the little rascals podcast uh, yeah <laughs> so the entire cast then sings and does this curtain call uh while upbeat ragtime music plays in the background well and they end with a reprise of wheel of a dream sung oh. by sarah and cole house looking well, down on their kid well, and it's uh, really cute well, of course you know that also makes me just go Oh, yeah, it, cause, oh god, cause it ends on such a, a hammer blow of a scene, mm-hmm. and then it immediately, I felt like a little bit that, it was a little bit of like, 
look at the keys. Like, Cole House gets shot, and then they're immediately like, so-and-so went off to do this. So-and-so went off to mm-hmm. do this. This fucker died. This fucker died. So-and-so <laughs> went off to do this. Like, and it's just, and then, you know, and then they do the curtain call, and it's much more upbeat, because it's the curtain call, you mm-hmm. know, and, and everybody's taking bows and stuff like that, and there's the applause, and then it ends, and it, and I just, the, I had a really hard time with that last little bit because I was still back on Cole mm. House. And that is something that I kind of sit here and go, if they do a proper revival of this, I almost think they should cut out that last part. Of Cole House? No. Oh. After Cole House dies and just end it there. Because you need to let that scene sit. Because I would, I would argue with you on that, and I would say that a compromise could be met, and when that happens, you kind of have darkness and just music for a good twenty or thirty seconds mm-hmm. before leading into, you know, a where were they now? And have it be a little, and have it be a little bit more somber, you it know, and then kind of pick be. up a little bit at the end, just because. The thing that sucks, because I don't know, you know, you know me, I'm a sucker for a happy ending kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And, and I need, I needed that Mm -hmm. little kernel of goodness of seeing Cole House point. be with, you know, the, the loving wife family. (laughs) You could honestly end it with just going on to that bit and just have a little bit of the exposition of, this is why Tata and Mother are together. Um, in fact, the movie version doesn't even, like, talk about any of that other stuff. You just see Mother leaving with Tata as Father's, like, watching her leave before he even goes off to the Lusitania. Because he's just like, well, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like, they, and she leaves with baby Colehouse. Um, but, like, because, yeah, having Colehouse is necessary. I think that part of the issue is that the ending kind of whitewashes a little bit what's going... Because if you jump any further into the future for these guys, it's going to be really hard for Cole House III. <laughs> really hard for him. Um, even even though they're in Hollywood. Well, and the thing too, the thing too is that He's obviously part of a well-off family, uh-huh. so in reality, his life is not going to be too hard. He's, he's going to be—he's going to be once he grows out of the cute stage and gets oh, to the yeah. stage that we all go into as black people, where it stops, where we stop being seen as cute and we start being seen as threatening, and yeah. that's going to be where mother would have to be like. My son is on a tight leash because if someone comes and hurts him, I'm going to burn the whole fucking state to the ground. Mama, I'm a 25-year-old man. <laughs> Mom, I'm 25. I don't care. <laughs> You're my baby. Um, cause... Oh, God. Then something... Oh, God. Then there's a terrible postscript. Something happens to Cole House Third, and then Mother goes on, <laughs> on a rampage. I wouldn't put it past. <laughs> oh. I just... I, I sit there and I go, that that is the one part that is really weak is that the you have this hammer blow and then it just flips right into and that's why I was saying I feel like a compromise could mm-hmm. be made that you have this this hard 
conclusion mm. to Cole House's journey, and then you kind of let it sit for a minute, you know, mm-hmm. maybe with music and darkness and just kind of like feel it and then kind of it because the thing is it's like no matter and i hate to say this because it's it it comes off as kind of heartless Mm -hmm. but it it's still uh truthful Mm -hmm. is that life goes on and that's probably why they did it that way i think that's why because Mm -hmm. i i I don't want i I, like if you were to focus on just cole house dead Mm -hmm. uh, I, i don't know like it's I don't know. It, this is coming from a cis white man who has mm-hmm. faced very little discrimination in his life and only has glimpses of what it's like to be a person of color in America yeah. and facing the injustices that are societally systemic. And it, it's so my my opinion counts for, you know, a dog fart. Well, it's, <laughs> it does, though, count, because if you think about it, ragtime is... While it's a show with black actors, I feel like it's more aimed at white audiences because there are things that have to be kind of watered down because most white audiences, as we're seeing right now with stuff that's going on, a lot of people who are not exposed to what people of color are going through on a regular basis, they are getting hit with this like, oh my God, this is terrible. And they Why have these people these, receiving justice. Yeah. And you have like these people trying to sprint to the finish line and it's like, no, you're going in for a marathon. That's what this is. Got to take your breaks and stuff like that. And if you're not used to the constant having to run, you're going to fatigue yourself to where you don't. If you're not used to the war, you think that it's just one battle. Yeah. And it's not. And... Maybe what could have been a little bit better is to make... Because, like, when they have Booker T. Washington talking about the Tuskegee Institute and all of that, it it does kind of make it feel a little bit like, and then nothing bad ever happened again for <laughs> black people. It, it, and it's kind of like... You know, it does, it does kind of remind me how, like, you know, the history books that I freaking had you know, in school growing up, it's like, and then we had the civil rights and everything was fine after that. Like, yeah. black people were treated fair forever after. Yeah. And then, you know, cut to now. Yeah, where it's like, oh shit, no. <laughs> so it's, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, the show is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it hurts and it makes me very angry uh, because I just, I, I, despise injustice mm-hmm. in all of its forms yeah and especially uh racial you know discrimination mm-hmm. shit like that you know i you know as you know i hated that before i ever met you mm-hmm. um and, and now then, you've just gotten even more and, angry and at and it it's, <laughs> it's just gotten even even more um incendiary mm-hmm. uh but it, yeah, no, be, this makes sense because, you know, it was written by white people. So, of course, that does make sense that it's more for white audiences. But it does seem like that it's, 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 yeah, it seems like that it's, it's kind of supposed to be, hey, like, this goes on. Like, yeah. just, like this goes on kind of thing. And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying I, to say. I feel like the ending could have used a little bit more of a contextualization of what 
instead of being because it does end on that upbeat wheels of a dream and it's like well that song doesn't really it's a very idyllic hopeful song but Cole House the third is going to be going right into the bullshit of Jim Crow and of uh well Jim Crow's going on at this time as well but like the uh dealing with the way that he's going to be treated because he's going to be old enough to go to World War II. He's going to be dealing with that bullshit. He's going to be dealing with uh, the civil rights movement. He's going to be old enough to go through that. And so he's going to have his own struggle and it's going to be hard for him. And then again, I'm a Stephen Schwartz fan and I think Pippin, how Pippin goes... Oh, remember how everything cycles? It cycles back. <laughs> no, and but but it's but you're also bringing up um, mm-hmm. contextually factual points. Yes, so yes, and that that it that it doesn't end with that. Yeah, that it does continue. Yeah, and it's still continuing. And yeah, it's, it's... and I think if they were to revive it, they should contextualize it a little bit more at that ending because I do. I will say that some of the stuff that I saw uh, for reviews of the show is that it's kind of like there are moments where it kind of gets a little bit too pie in the sky hopeful at the end with like, oh, everything's better. And it's like, I, th- I think that after everything's you, uh, the I think, same, <laughs> I think after you, I don't know, like after sitting with the show for, for mm-hmm. a day, you know, um, if I were to give my two cents to it in some kind of revision, mm-hmm. after the where are they now part, I mm-hmm. kind of feel like that you could either have Cole House, Cole House Jr. aged up or bring back Cole House or even have like somebody just have somebody come on stage and you and give a good speech just about the discrimination and the ideals of America and that mm-hmm. all men are created equal and that everybody mm-hmm. has the, yeah, you know, the ideals of what this country should be and that there are still those struggles, mm-hmm. you know, through the generations and through the decades into the current day and how, you know, this story is not an isolated tale, Absolutely. but it is something that, uh, that is a recurring part of history and mm-hmm. that in order for that to change um, requires good people to do something. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like that would be a really good note to end it on so mm-hmm. that you have this, you know, really, uh, this really tragic tale mm-hmm. um, that does have some some palatable sprinkles of happiness at the end, mm-hmm. but then kind of give it like a, hey, this shit is real mm. kind of thing. It's still And happening. it's still going on and just, and just kind of, you could do it in a way that isn't guilting, but is mm. more um, empowering, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's, I think, that, but other than that, it's a really good show. Yeah. And I would watch another version of it because I know you were talking about uh, the 2005 version that you did when you mm. were at the, the Hale Theater and stuff like that. Like if, if, if I... If we can somehow... 
please God, let us get a copy of that somehow. Did you play the same character? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you said I was every Sarah's time, friend every, every time. time. You play that show, you're the same um, Because I'm a contralto, and that's a contralto role. <laughs> and like I said, I like, I do, uh, God damn it, I, uh, <laughs> I like the show. Mm-hmm. But this is not the kind of show that I could watch. Oh, no. Oh, God, with no. With any <laughs> frequency. Oh, no. Because it just make yeah. Yeah. This this is definitely one of those shows that is a you can't watch it over and over. If you do, you're unless like cuz I mean actors have to perform the show over and over, mm-hmm. but by that point we're desensitized to it. By that and, point it's just it's just clockwork. It's, yeah. And it's I guess not clockwork cuz it's still it's still very well, emotionally that, charged. That was a poor choice of words. It's 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 different. It's, I mean it is Yeah, you're prepared for the emotions that you're going to go through doing this show. Um but it's definitely not a show that I think like I my mom saw every performance of this show that I have done like was at every performance, and I'm just always like, I don't know how you did that, Mama Kay. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't think I could. Mm-mm. I don't think I could. Um, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a heavy show. But it's good. But then and again, the music. Mama Kay went through yeah, your mom the went, civil yeah, rights she, Yeah, <laughs> she, uh, was, she was not allowed to go to Selma, because <laughs> yeah. her parents were like, you will get yourself arrested or killed. <laughs> Yeah. Or both. And uh but yeah, but it's it's a good show and the music in it is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh... Yeah. This it's it's one of my favorite shows to be in, but also not. <laughs> Cause every every time that I was in it, it is like an emotional just scraping off the calluses a little bit. <laughs> and then yeah, it's it's a it's such a good show. It's a good show to be in. I think that part of why I love being in it, too, is that it's one of the rare times in Utah that you get to have the black theater community come together. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, we're it's, up it's, in Ogden. it's one of the few times that you're not outnumbered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, in, in just doing shows. Oh, God, seriously. You're, you're not a token or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I may have a bonus episode be just a big long rant about the experience being black in the theater in utah that because i've got stories from other theaters yeah I but know you do. <laughs> like uh, for all of the stuff that has gone on in some of the uh shows where it's been an all-black cast with a white director at least there's the community when it's you're the only black person in a white cast with a white director, it's hell. <laughs> Especially if you're a teen and not allowed to be in scenes with other teens because, God forbid, they have even the slightest hint of a black person dating a white person. Society would collapse. Fuck you, Footloose. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Are you ready for the next show? <laughs> um... Yes. So the next show that we're going to be doing is Allegiance. It's the George Takei's yes, musical. Yes. And he is in it. And also Leia Salonga. I actually have not seen this one. I, 
I was following it a lot when it was first being conceived and produced at La Jolla, and I never got a chance to see it. And they have it on Broadway On Demand. It is a rental, but it's still it's on available. Broadway On it's, Demand. It's yeah. available. It's still available. Um, When did it come out? Oh, gosh. I want to say it was 2010. Okay. Um, no worries. This will be covered in the next episode. Yeah, the whole history will be covered in the next episode, because it's not like with Ragtime where I kind of wanted to not do too much going into it just because we're gonna cover multiple versions because this version was a concert version so yeah so now, down set so now I, I i get and it was, it's interesting when you were talking about that like okay so now i know okay concert version i have more of an idea of mm-hmm. what that looks like yeah because which it's one of those shows that i'm kind of like it holds up in a concert version still yep. like you can do it with no set and yeah. it still works yes you can i mean people just <laughs> pantomime stuff but mm-hmm. that's fine and it worked because theater because theater theater imagination <laughs> but yeah i'm i'm excited that we get to see allegiance um if folks want to also see it it is available on broadway on demand uh which is an awesome service that exists now thank god um they're adding new shows all the time to it um and i know that uh before we recorded this last half i found out that mti Musical Theater International is getting ready to do their own streaming service. Oh. The one good thing to come out of the Rona <laughs> outside of us working from home. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, and then after that, I don't know if we're going to take a break before Hamilton or if we're gonna ha- if we're gonna be able to dive right into Hamilton. I need to see what the timing's gonna be like. I kind of hope that we can take a break so that I can uh, write the intro for Hamilton because I'm going to do something different. <laughs> we can take a break if you need. I will have to rehearse that shit. Because <laughs> I have oh. not done this for a long time and I was never very good at what I'm planning. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm excited. We'll see. I'm nervous. But. I am excited for Allegiance next week. Yay! Yay! All right. So thank you all so much again for listening to uh, this episode. Uh, We hope that y'all enjoyed it. And if you want to reach out to Kay and I, you can uh, check us out at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com, where we have links to all of our social medias. We've got our Twitters, our Instagrams, our Facebooks. Yes. As well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server, where Kay and I have our own Not Safe for Work channel. And because uh, I'm inappropriate. And, yes. Uh, you can I'm... you can totally come in there and say hi and be appropriate. <laughs> and, come in yeah. there. <laughs> I'm so uh, sorry. <laughs> You're taking my spotlight, Kay. Also, um, I got a notice from T Public. Our store will be on sale on T Public, June 24th through 26th. I'll oh. put a link to our T Public, uh, where we've got some masks, and I'm gonna try to get some T-shirts up there, and other stuff with some trippy Jello cats. So. <laughs> some yes, because cats is an lsd trip in and of itself and yes but thank you all so much for, thank for tuning in to this uh important but depressing episode yep. of this is this is one of those things i know that we shouldn't be using our platform to say it but if you can find ragtime on youtube or anything like that go do it 
Um, I'm sure that there are some places where you can see boots. We encourage some people. Some kinky boots. We, <laughs> we enc- I, I've heard that's a good show. I, mm-hmm. I encourage I encourage production groups to make their stuff available even for uh, uh, a reasonable monetary sum because we want to see it. We want to mm-hmm. pay to see it. We don't want to... And in, no, we want to support it. Yeah, and so, in the case of Ragtime and shows like it, they do have an important message mm-hmm. that needs to be spread. And that art, everything old is new again. Even though art is an intrinsic human thing, really, that means that you should make art more accessible for humans because that is how we conceptualize things, even if we don't always want to admit that we conceptualize things through art. Guess what movies are? Um... <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to step off of my soapbox. Well, no, I'm stepping back onto my soapbox to say Black Lives Matter every day. That'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Black Lives Matter Warren. And this has been Tone Tone Deaf. Deaf.